Welcome back to the Enjoy the Walk podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Ryder Cup week is over. If you're a USA fan, a US of a fan, uh, great week. Absolute stellar week from the team. Uh, we'll dive into a Ryder Cup recap today, guys. So that's what's in store. We've also got an interview from Plus One Creative, alternate golf logos. If you follow them on Instagram, if you don't, go give them a follow. They do. Uh, they help PGA pros create logos for whether it's alternate logos in their shop, member guest logos, or just something to spice up uh, the norm so they can help their sales in pro shops and in, in guest events. Uh, we talked to Ryan Gable, creator of Plus One Creative, uh, and all the crazy cool things that he's been up to. Uh, and then we dive into our own kind of experiences over the last week or so. Dante, you had your member guest as well as a really cool event with your father. Um, I went down to represent our half, my half of of what yes. is Enjoy the Walk at uh, at East Lake with Boston Scott Golf for an incredible event they had there. So. Uh, buckle in guys. This is going to be a long one, but it's going to be a good one. So, uh, we got to start with the United States of America, the Ryder cup, man. I know you said you got to watch bits and pieces here, but Holy crap, man. One for the ages. It really was. And I'll be honest. I was, I was shocked because if you listen to our previous podcast in regards to who we think is going to win on paper, um, USA, like, look dominant I, I mean i just didn't think they were going to come out next thing i know i'm sitting at work on a friday and one of my co-workers comes in he's like why aren't you watching the Ryder cup and i said well i'm what's it look like i'm doing and he like laughed <laughs> and he goes oh cantley's up five up on for five the first five holes and i said you're kidding me right he goes, no and I, right there and then i said i'm about to be shocked i think my prediction of euro the Europeans just absolutely steamrolling the United States got word and they decided to, to really prove me wrong. So, you know, hats off to them. That was awesome to watch from what I watched and just kind of seeing like the tidbits and the snippets from all like the social media platforms. And just, it just seemed like it was one hell of a time for both teams. We'll get into the course side of it in a little bit, but let's talk about just the players in general, right? If, if you listen to our previous podcast kind of leading into the Ryder cup, we did say we thought experience was going to favor um, the European team. Now we both still picked the United States to win as prideful Americans. We, we didn't pull a rigs and, and completely abandon this, this American team. Um, and it came out early that the young guns, uh, the quote unquote rookies did not play like rookies. They never for one second looked like rookies. They never showed a kind of nervousness like rookies, the, the rookies almost outplayed and, and actually not almost, they did. The rookies did outplay most of the veterans on the European side of things all weekend long. And I think when you look at what turns the table of, of a win to a loss that right there was six rookies and them all playing top notch golf, like world-class golf that that was the most shocking thing to have all six play that well was just incredible. Sometimes you get three or four rookies that really have a good, you know, showing and then maybe one or two are still finding their way to have all six of our rookies like that, just play incredible golf the entire weekend long, I think was maybe one of the biggest shocks to uh, the world, not a shock to those within side the ropes of the American team, but definitely a shock to the world. Yeah. And the shock to the fact that they just came out, played 
as if it was major championship level golf on like a winning side of things. I mean, just the shots alone that they had to hit and the putts that they were dropping. I've, I've, I've never seen so many double breaking like 20 footers get hold in the times of watching golf since like on a competitive standpoint and following the PGA tour since about 2015. And I'm sitting here watching even on the European side and the U S of a guys just draining putts from like all over the place, especially on a course like that, where, I mean, you got the wind whipping and, you know, you got to account for that. You got to account for Lake Michigan and just the, the elevations and all this other stuff that comes with it just blew my mind of how great just, just alone, like their putting was not alone, like the shots that they were hitting from, from the tee and from the fairway. I mean, just, just on the greens. Well, and the, the announcers drove it home almost too redundantly, but how quote unquote diabolical because of it being a Pete Dye course, it was diabolical, but That's those it. greens are no it. joke favorite word for them i heard that millions of times we if get you were play, if you could have been playing a drinking game diabolical yes uh the friendship between jordan spieth and justin thomas uh i was shocked to hear for the thousandth and third time that they the, were buddies didn't know that all weekend long <laughs> it was the d-y-e diabolical they yeah. said that yeah thousands so those, of times those two things if you didn't know uh you found out this weekend very often but you're right that the greens are no joke they're not easy and and these guys across the board, European side and American side, made a lot of like 20, 30, 40 footers. It was it was really insane. And, and if you look at one guy in particular who, if you thought was gonna turn the tide of European kind of momentum, it was gonna be John Rahm because of the putts he was making. That guy for the first really morning, afternoon, morning, afternoon session of both Friday and Saturday, I don't think he missed a putt he looked at. He was, I mean, he, he showed this weekend why he is the number one golfer in the world right now. He definitely did. And I think what kind of, uh, that went off like a light bulb, I guess you can say my realization of him being number one is I think it was one of the holes 15 or 16 on the back nine. And I forget which day, but Brooks hooks one into the, into the junk downhill. And, you know, they're like, all right, well, you know, we really need to climb back. And he just hit this like buttercut fade and it just dead center of the fairway and i just said and that's right there is why he's number one just like under that pressure under the team pressure and coming from behind and at that point being like you know our backs are truly up against the wall and not being the favorite you're not on you know your your soil it's i'm going to just take one off the tee with wind coming from Lake Michigan. And I'm just going to stick one. I mean, I think it pretty much just sat dead center in the fairway. I mean, you wouldn't talk about center cut. That's what he did. And that guy just watch out for the 2022 season of John Rahm. The way I'm he's telling playing. you what the, the announcers made some great calls all weekend long, but one thing they said that stuck out to me, right. Was every Ryder cup. And, and I didn't really even ever think about it until they mentioned it. And then I took some time to look back on it too. Every Ryder cup, Guys use this as either a propellant and it propels them into a 2022 season or a, a next year season in which they just break their shell. Right. And they, they come out and they come out firing. And then sometimes if guys get just beaten down and broken at the Ryder cup, sometimes it can, it can kind of hurt them and, and you really never hear from them again. It scares me how good of a, of a Ryder cup John Rom had, because he's already number one in the world. And, and people were kind of tweeting, and I even realized this too, at number one in the world, 
John Rom on like a world scale is still underrated. And and hear me out here because he hits so many good shots, like the one you were just kind of detailing earlier, that little baby cut fade. It never left his intended line. Every shot he looked at, even with the wind whipping, even with the, you know, extenuating circumstances of the crowd not being in his favor, like that crowd was worse than any major championship he'll step into from a fanhood standpoint. No one wanted him to hit a good shot all weekend long. And to step up and perform the way he did, I'm a little excited and like worried for everyone else because John Rom could have an even more incredible year in 2022 than he did in 2021. And he had a great year in 2021. So I'm he excited did. for the future for John Rom, Especially for some of the obstacles that he had to run through and kind of the adversity that he faced with the whole COVID issues and all mm-hmm. that. And he came out and was about to win and didn't win and came back and won a major championship. And, you know, it, it kind of seemed like he was like playing really well. The next thing, you know, like, someone knocked him on his feet or knocked him on his back and he got back up. And then it was kind of, it's kind of like the Chumbawamba song. He just, yeah. I get knocked down, yeah. but I get over it. Ain't I'm ever going to get I want to see down. how many people actually realize that. That's, oh, a, that's a classic. It. I love it. I love it. And, but man, it, it really is true. And I think, you know, you look down the list of, of obviously, guys that really played well, someone who I think is also going to use this as a propellant. Um, I mean, I could go down the entire USA list of, of players who just really showed out um, Two in particular, who I think really, really could use this to propel themselves um, are kind of the, I would say two vanilla guys that you talked about in our last podcast are just guys that have almost no personality all season long. And then they show up to an event like the Ryder cup, our captain's picks and then ball out and, and, you know, are one of the guys they get involved. They get very animated when they're not animated for the rest of the season. And that's Harris English and Scotty Scheffler. Harris English might've been maybe behind John Rahm, the best putter all weekend long. That dude made putts over 20, 30 feet like no one else did all weekend. It was, it was really incredible, and it put his short game display up there as like a top five, top ten in the world. Um, he was one of the players that I was shocked played so well in his first ever Ryder Cup. That, I think it just brings out another level of talent and game that these guys don't realize that is in store. And then they, they get this opportunity to play in the Ryder Cup. And like you said, there may be more of a vanilla kind of person there. They just keep to themselves and they're not the loudest. And, you know, they, they don't like to put their face forward and everything and, you know, get their hands touching and everything. And they just kind of stay back and kind of keep to themselves. And one that impressed me is how much focus and energy that these guys put into it and how they just ended up basically showing that emotion that they don't normally do. And I think like it's another realization that these guys see in themselves are like, Oh shit. Like I have a fourth gear (laughs) to me that I didn't even realize I had. Yeah. And that's, that's something that's really kind of like any player, any golfer out there that really gets into a situation where, you know, they, they get into this mindset. They're like, wow, I can, I can, it's kind of like, I think you posted something the other day on your personal page about Kobe and his mindset, Mm -hmm. how he's playing against the one guy and he comes in 
guy practiced for an hour. He came in and was practicing even longer because he knew his opponent was practicing this hard. He goes, I'm going to practice twice as hard. I did. And, and for anyone who doesn't know that reference, um, again, I don't know who the player it is that was talking about it, but he showed up to the showed up pregame and Kobe was yes. already there. Right. Yeah. Well, well early. It was like a seven thirty, eight o'clock game. They were there at like two or three in the afternoon. Kobe's already there kind of bouncing around the ball. Um, this guy comes in practices and gets done with his practice, his pregame practice. And Kobe's still at it like hours on end, basically straight up to the game. Um, and after the game, you know, after Kobe drops 40 points on him, this guy's yep. like, I got, I got to go ask Kobe, you know, what, what the hell is he doing? And he's like, Kobe, why'd you stay in the gym? And he's like, cause I saw you, I saw you come in yep. and, and I just, I needed to send you a message. You might be better than me. You might, you might think you have an edge on me, but you'll never outwork me. Yep. And, and I just, I think this week too, when you, when, when Stricker and the whole team fielded interviews after the weekend was over, they talked about preparation and how they got there three weeks beforehand. And we're all playing practice rounds with each other. We're at that course basically every day. Like they just lived there. And I think another catalyst that you look at, if you, if you look at reasons why this team played so well and won so heavy handedly, they just came in and outworked, outprepared the European team, I think. And, and you can do that on home soil. So I, I'm excited because I think a lot of these guys are going to be core guys going into Rome in two more years. I, I, I'm excited to see what their preparation style will look like when going to foreign soil because they obviously had the upper hand to be able to do what they did in, the, in, in their home turf. So hopefully they can maybe replicate something of the same it- sort. And I was going to bring this up to you too, because you, yeah, you have obviously followed golf a lot longer than I have. And, you know, it always seemed from the past few years that I've been following golf, it always seemed that the, when the U S guys show up to their home soil, they dominate. And then as soon as they go to foreign soil, they get their asses chewed, they get destroyed. Now, now you kind of wonder, it seems like they kind of just pass the trophy back and forth to each other. Um, now you can correct me if I'm wrong. If Europeans have dominated on on home so- or our home soil before, but taking kind of this mentality and this Kobe like, we're gonna show up and outwork you, right? Like, are they? And this is like that fourth gear that we're just talking about that they have. Like, I'm excited to see when they decide to go to the foreign soil and play, you know, their away game, and they take that you know, mental preparation. And they're like, all right, we're going to go instead of three weeks, we're going to go five weeks ahead of the, ahead of the event. And we're just going to just bust our ass. I'm excited to see what they can bring when they go into someone else's turf. Well, so you mentioned, you know, does it flip flop hands? Does it go back and forth? Um, We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10 out of the last 10 Ryder cups, the United States is only one, three. And that flip-flops every, every time. So from 2002 to 2008, Europe took four straight. And then the United States won in 2008. I'm sorry, United States won in 2008, but the four years before that, Europe won four in a row. And they won on home soil uh, at Valhalla in Kentucky. Okay. And then four, four more in a row, 2010, 12, 14. Uh, so, so I'm sorry, three in a row. Europe rattled off three straight in Wales in home quote unquote home soil at Medina 
if everyone remembers Medina, the historical comeback that we just blew um, to lose by a point. Uh, I had to throw away my Medina merch. I, I just couldn't wear it anymore. I, I got one Ryder Cup shirt. It was from Medina and I had to like put it in the back of my closet because we just epically lost. Um, and then they went back over to Scotland and won at Glen Eagles. And then the U.S. has won back-to-back home soil events, uh, losing obviously last time in Paris uh, overseas. So it'll be interesting. It definitely, it's tough to go to the other side and win in hostile territory. The Europeans talked about it all weekend long. There was maybe 20 fans in the entire premises that wanted Europe to win. Um, so it, it's tough. It, it really is a tall task to go on, you know, competitor soil and, and go get a big win just because I think the fan bias just plays such a massive picture in the whole grand scheme of things. And that's another thing that I noticed too. And I think it really kind of comes down to the fans and like the event is, is based in my opinion around the fans. If the fans aren't there, it's just, it is what it is. They're just going out playing a team event, but with the fans being there and how involved the fans have been getting in the past few Ryder cups, is just showing that, I mean, it's just like any arena sport, especially like think of like college football. I mean, mm-hmm. we can talk about your your lovely Penn's theaters when, you know, when they had the whiteout game and they had like over 110,000 people and they just absolutely like, it was like one hell of a game. It was constantly like back and forth like from what I saw and like the score was high numbered. It was just very energetic. And I think when you can get that energy from the fans, I mean, I, I mean, you remember, I mean, I remember playing like you just get fired up at these events. You just see the, you just yeah. feel the adrenaline just running through you. When you have Mr. Stoic himself, Patrick Cantlay, who shows no emotion all no year emotion. long, Throwing fist, fist pumping pumps. and getting the crowd jacked up, you know, you're in a completely one of one setting. Um, that's unlike anything else that golf possibly can offer. And I think, you know, when we talk about that advantage, we, we have to dive into talking about whistling straights and the way the PGA of America set up this place, the views, let alone the, the, the fan side of things, the views of this place were just downright breathtaking. Um, I don't remember it being this incredible. Maybe I've just got short-term memory loss, but when they had the PGA championship there and Jason day won, I don't remember it being that incredible. I just don't. Again, maybe I missed it. Maybe I just didn't see the coverage as much, but this place showed out for this Ryder Cup venue, unlike any other event I've ever seen, to be honest with you. And especially kind of the way the course is set up. I mean, it's spread throughout kind of like the cliffs from, you know, off of Lake Michigan. So there's probably spots on the on the course that you can't even, like a person, like a fan can't even get to. You know what I mean? I mean, so some of the best videos were not only fans, but like once the Ryder cup was pretty much clinched and guys were just going around drinking and having fun and just like, you know, being degenerates pretty much. Yep. Xander Shoffley, Brooks Kepka, a couple other guys too. They were literally like sliding. They were like dropping down like a baseball player and sliding down some of these like ravines and and cliffs on the side of the course. It just, it goes to show there are, there, there was a a million of those spots, just like there's a thousand and one bunkers out there. There's a thousand and one areas where like you, you can't walk. You either have to get on your butt and slide down these Hills or walk around. So I, I think that's the other part of whistling straights that made it so incredible was that there was just these such drastic, like, 
cliffs and these drastic drop-offs that like it created its own amphitheater, let alone the way they set up the stands. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at a picture on Google here and <laughs> there's all the fans where like the roped off section is where they're as close to the hole that they possibly can. And it's probably maybe like 20, 30 feet uphill. And he's just towering over these people standing on top of this hill. And he's solo by himself with like an American flag, a suit jacket on just like overseeing like Eagle eye everybody. And it just, it, it right there just shows kind of how crazy this course is. And it seems like they probably have put more grandstands up for the fans just to give it that more arena like feel. Cause it is a team sport. And I think that's what helped a lot i mean just having like all those people just stuffed there and just surrounding like the players off the tee and you know you're just this is something these guys don't normally get on a daily basis if you're watching on youtube i'm gonna add a photo in here uh of what just like the grand scale of some of these grandstands as we continue to talk about the setup and everything i'm kind of going to just overcast some incredible photos of, of just the I would call it monstrosities that they build out on this course. Paul Azinger and Nick Faldo talked about it basically the entire telecast all weekend of like in their wildest dreams, they, when they played in it, they couldn't imagine a setup like this, right? Like when back when they played it in the eighties and, and the nineties um, it, it was maybe two or three hospitality tents in the whole course. Now it's an entire like 40,000 person grandstand around the first tee and four hospitality tents down the first fairway. Like it just, it, it's changed. The, the entire setup of a Ryder cup has changed. And I think for, for the best, like when you look at it from a, a viewership standpoint, it looks incredible on TV. When you look at it from a fanhood standpoint on, you know, at the venue, I, I can only imagine it's incredible from there as well. Um, I, I got a glimpse of what the PGA of America does in a FedEx cup setting at, at Kays Valley at BMW. And they set that place up incredible, you know, at, stands everywhere uh massive just kind of towering view viewing spots all over the course that just give you the best possibility to not just see one hole but see multiple holes and and i think that's the cool thing that from what i can see and what they were talking about on tv they were able to achieve too is they gave these folks not only a view of one hole they gave these folks a view of like seven holes on whistling straights and i and i think as you look at the course setup that's kind of the other really cool thing. This thing, the, the course at Whistling Straits kind of loops itself back and forth along the river. So if you're going one way, you got to come back down the other. And I think it really offers the opportunity for people to see you multiple times from one location. Yeah. And I think they're just starting to realize like how important the fans are in their viewership, like their viewing experiences at the, at the event that they're starting to get things together to where and they're lining up like you say and how they're just being able to maneuver logistically these fans to get the best viewing experience that they they can while at the same time giving the players again that the fan base that they normally wouldn't see i mean with like these grandstands and all that and these like stadium s seating you're not on a golf course right you're if you take that down you can only stack so many people around the hole right this time you can you can double even triple the size of that it's it's getting more of that football and basketball arena like where they the fans are just i don't know 20 rows deep and just like on an incline where you can just see them all and everybody can get that that view and it just kind of just tunnels them in 
Well, right. And, and I think this is just the magic. Focus. This is the magic of Whistling Straits. And I think, which is why it's just a perfect venue for an event like the Ryder Cup. Uh, I, you know, I'm going to post another picture here uh, on YouTube, guys. So go check out our YouTube page. Enjoy the Walk Off podcast. There's a picture of fans one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, pretty close to what you're saying, Dante, 20 rows deep, and they aren't even on the stands. This is just like a natural amphitheater. They're standing on the side of this like bluff and it's just, they're 20, some even more probably back behind them deep. Cause you can see people holding up cameras, trying to get a picture behind them. It's, it's the way I would like, if, if you had a dream setting, a scenario of how fans could embrace a Ryder cup and just stack in and create the atmosphere for these players, whistling straights was it. Definitely. And I think, Again, you know, hats off to them, especially with like kind of the last couple of years that we've had and year, year and a half, however you want to say it. And it, it just kind of was just a, just a big kind of relief and enjoyment. And to me, that's what I loved about this whole experience with both teams and the fans and all that is how big of, of a camaraderie that this Ryder Cup kind of brought for everybody from fans to coaches to even players. Yeah, when, when they else. talked about it, right, like when, when they continued to talk back and forth between players and, and just talking about family, like the word family kept getting brought up, not by the like cast of the anchors, but by the actual players and, and captains and co-captains themselves. They said, man, we, we've never felt closer in the team room than what we do this year. And I think it showed. It, it, it showed because, you know, we talked because we didn't know this dynamic going into the Ryder Cup. We talked about it in our preview show about we really didn't know who was going to pair up with who other than a couple people. And I think I was unaware of how close Scotty Scheffler and Bryson DeChambeau were. So that worked out to be just a perfect pairing. And, and they talked about it too. And Stricker talked about um, Azinger's old mentality in which he implemented, implemented, which was like the quote unquote pod system. You get four guys and within their four guy grouping, you can pair them up with whoever you want to do. And I think, they use that to perfection. And I think even outside of those pods, they could have paired anyone up on this team with anybody in the, in the U S side of things. And it's a shock to us, I think, because we thought that was going to be the scenario for the European team going in. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of things from that too. I mean, look at the foes becoming friends. I mean, <laughs> after seeing the camaraderie and just the togetherness that these guys had and how, they were just like, yo, I, I got your back. Like, don't worry. Like you got mine. Like we're in it together is after seeing that and kind of seeing some, you know, the DeChambeau and, you know, Brooks kind of debacle that has led up to this. It seems like they made amends and it probably would have been sick if they actually paired together in an, in one of the events throughout the weekend. I'll tell you, obviously everyone by now has seen, the viral video of them hugging it out on the course Brooks going up to Bryson and saying, yo, way to go get a point dog. Like way to, way to be a fighter. Thanks. You know, proud of you for fighting for the team. I think after that, people started to realize like, it was kind of like Brooks was saying, man, the media had just spun some things that he said into a really, really bad spot. And maybe it was never as bad as what the media portrayed it out to be. And that's as fans, unfortunately, what we get to see, that's all we get to know because these guys, don't want to deal with it. They don't have time to deal with it because they're focused on going and winning championships, especially during the FedEx cup race and whatnot. So uh, I was pumped to see it, man. You know, just 
seeing Bryson in general, I think win fans over in droves this week was the most incredible part of it. He obviously a controversial figure. I don't think Very. I heard, I don't heard one Brooksy out there this week. All I heard was fans taunting him to hit the driver and yeah. just absolutely like oh, bowing down, end? bowing down to Mr. DeChambeau every time he hit the driver. What, that one, I guess, I don't know what hole it was. And he pulled three wood, three wood or hybrid or something like that. And they're like, boo, what are you yeah. doing? What are you doing? He goes, guys, like I'm still going for the green. Yeah. And it was like, like 315 yeah. and, and three and, and driver was way too much club. So he pulls the three yeah. wood. He pulls it through and they all got upset. And he's like, I'm going for it, guys. Like, don't worry. And they're just like, yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, the, the fans definitely love the long ball. Uh, obviously, him teaming up with Scotty Scheffler and hitting that one on number five, 417, and having 70 yards into a par five. They had to move, like, thousands of fans out of the way for him to hit that tee shot on five. I mean, just, like, alone. Like, obviously, he's done it multiple times at home and – does it on the track man and just constantly practices basically like long drive swing for him to just do that in the Ryder cup with kind of the way the hole is shaped and probably what his landing area was. And with the wind and all the fans surrounding him to be able to just pull off that rope of a shot. It's pretty remarkable because I always kind of, I always question how the PGA puts their stats out because I always feel like they fudge the numbers or like, Oh yeah, it was 417 yards, which is don't get me wrong very impressive but they never really account like was it severely downhill how much uh-huh. roll did it get and uh, downwind like this and that and it seemed like really all he had was just downwind right i think it's all it was it really was because whistling straits was not playing that like firm and fast no. uh, it just wasn't that style of golf course so he hit it every bit of that like four Oh five, and I think he might have got ten yards of roll out of it. That's even being generous. I mean, he did he murdered it. And yeah, and that, don't that don't was... get me wrong, his his long drives and showmanship were also followed with a lot of erraticness and like kind of scrambling and whatnot. But if it's anything, Bryson DeChambeau showed us since he won the U.S. Open um, at, at you know probably one of the longest rough golf courses this past couple years. It's he can scramble out of thick rough. He's got the short game. He's got the putting to do so. Um, he was electric. He was the needle at the U.S. at, at the U.S. side alongside Justin Thomas, who everyone knew was going to be the needle because everyone loves watching him play. I'd say Thomas, if not Bryson, are kind of like sharing that quote unquote Captain America uh, cape after the after this week. I would think so. Out of all those guys, if you needed someone to kind of rallied the troops and rally up the team to get them fired up get the juices going those two are definitely i know i know jt likes to show a bit of emotion when he gets pumped up we've seen it in president's cup we've seen it in riders cups we've seen it just for the sake of him just holding out a shot and Mm -hmm. you know dechambeau easy when you got the entire like 50 people behind you on the tee telling you the rip driver rip driver he's going to do it so now i'll agree with you on that one they definitely were kind of the co-captain-esque for um i guess you can say just like just team spirit for sure and and, you know one thing that was brought up on telecast which i you know people always forget i feel like um dechambeau is now a u.s amateur winner a u.s open winner and now a winning member on a u.s Ryder cup team um 
you'll be hard pressed to find anyone with that resume that really kind of bleeds so much red, white, and blue. He, he talked about it when he won the U S open that the USGA events in general were like probably nearest and dearest to his heart after winning the USAM and then winning the U S open. So to add this kind of next tick mark on a, on a U.S. you know, venue event, I, I think he's got to be one of the top, if not the top guys in the world that bleeds red, white, and blue right now, just resume alone. Oh, definitely. No doubt in my mind right there. So, uh, right. yeah, man. I mean, it's just, there's so much fun. There's so many great things that we could talk about or dive into. Um, I think that the crazy thing was, and we saw it, we saw it Friday. We, they switched up the pairings from session one to session two. And then they came out and kind of switched up the pairings again on session one uh, for the United States in the morning. Um, I was, I was a little surprised to see, um, I guess them not go back to the Cantley Shoffley pairing like back to back because they were such a buzzsaw in that first pairing in like right off the bat. Um, but I, one thing I am prideful for a lot of those pairings that went out in the first two groupings, we, we nailed like right on, right on the head. We, we got, we got the Texas guys. We got the Spaniards playing together. Yep. We got the Irishmen playing together. We got us mostly right. We did not see the Scheffler. Uh, we did not see the Scheffler to Shambo pairing. That was kind of out of right field for us. But other than that, um, I was happy to see us have a pretty good beat on, uh, on what was going to go on those first couple matches. Yeah, it definitely seemed like Stricker put a good, uh, good pairings out for that, like that ham and egg mentality. And, and obviously that's what you need. Cause I mean, you, you and I both know when we play, you know, two main events and we both not ham and egg it on the same hole, it, it, it becomes a disaster real quick. Yeah. And I think if you, unfortunately, I think if you look at like what happened to the Ryder cup from a European standpoint, there's, there was just no ham and egg. The only guys to ham and egg it were Sergio and Rom all week yeah. long. Definitely. Um, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate, but you had guys like, like Lee Westwood just struggle, uh, with Fitzpatrick Fitzpatrick didn't even play the greatest, uh, Terrell Hatton kind of had glimpses when he was playing with Shane Lowry. Uh, they ended up getting uh, a half of a point off a, off of a nice, uh, day ending birdie from Terrell Hatton. But it, it just, it seemed like whenever they needed to step up on the European side of things, guys just could not kind of lean on each other. There was no one to lean on other than John Rom. He was the obvious horse. And other than that, there was not too many bright spots, bright glimpses to get a lot of momentum headed in their direction. No. And then, you know, coming off the first day when it's like that big of a lead too, you're like, Oh shit. It, it, it's tough. It, it really is tough. And they did the best they can to just come back. I just think, I just think with the fans, the venue, and you know the U.S. team of how they just put themselves together. It just—it was just a one-way train for for the United States. I mean, obviously, I like seeing battles. I like seeing back and forth. You know, that's what makes great, you know, sports. Mm-hmm. Whether it's golf, football, basketball, baseball, or whatever. Um, but obviously, at the same time, when when you're trying to win, like I want to make sure I'm going to dominate you guys and know, like when I'm crossing the finish line, I'm I'm well ahead of you. Yeah, and and it, it was just like. Even in singles, um, there was so much red on the bur- the board early. I mean, you looked at three or four holes in to, to the point everyone got past like the fourth hole. 
it was eight, nine matches us and maybe two on the European side of things. Um, that thorn on our side, freaking Ian Poulter, he might continue just to play singles matches until he's like 65, 70. Um, no, the dude can't lose a, to... the dude can't lose a singles match. It's he, incredible. I, I've, I've been a big fan of him. I know a lot of people like dislike him because of Ian Poulter and his, and his experiences and at the, at the Riders cup. But ever since I saw him at the 2018 BMW championship at Aronimic, I've, I've just, I've been a fan ever since. Now, now he he put a whooping on a guy who was pretty hot all week long. Tony Finau, in in a couple of his sessions, made over eight birdies in in multiple sessions. So if there was a guy to go down and and, and take down, probably one of the most prolific singles players in Ryder Cup history, I thought Tony Finau was going to do it. Um, but you you mentioned you've been a fan of Poulter. Tell, tell me the story. Tell the listeners that story because I love it. I've heard it before, but I think it's just a, a, an all-time great reaction from an all-time great Ryder Cup player. So, yeah, so it was the Saturday Saturday round. Um, you know, we get to Aronimic, and we decide to kind of like – the way they put everybody in was more towards the 18th hole. So, the like the first two, three, four holes are that technically all the way in the back from, from the fans' entrance, right? So, the fourth hole was like the – this hole all the way back and i was like i'm just gonna walk like as far back as i possibly can to get away from all the people because everybody kind of just goes right towards the holes that's closest to them so we walk all the way down and we're standing by the tee box and we're pretty much up against the road here comes ian poulter dustin johnson and kevin kisner now at this time too like college football's coming back on you know and kiz is a huge college football guy loves his bulldogs right so I'm like sitting there and I'm like looking over and I'm like, okay, freaking he's got his cell phone out. He's watching the game while like Ian, they all hit and Ian's getting up to tee the, tee the ball. And, um, for his, for his turn. And like, I thought it was just funny. Cause like, no, the, you know, kids, kids being kids. He's like, yo, football's on. I'm trying to watch this. Like, why am I out here playing in a playing in a playoff event? And then, you know, everybody not liking Poulter. He's, you know, in our area, some fan decides to chirp at him says, Hey, Ian, I hope you shank it. And like one, that was a stupid remark because we were clearly in the fire. Like we were in, you know, we were to the targets if he were to shank it. You were downrange. So, yeah. <laughs> pretty much downrange. Yeah. That's the, that's the word I was thinking of. So we all go, whoa, like, dude, like, yo, like what? Like why? Like everybody got mad at him. Like all the fans that was like around them, like that's not like, first of all, you don't wish shanks upon anybody like, i don't care who you dislike as a golfer or whatnot you do not wish the the shanks on them at all the s word so, sends shivers the, down any golfers anybody spot. you don't you don't do that you want to chirp them in any other way because you dislike them and you're not a fan of them that's fine but you do not wish him the shanks so he puts the tee peg in with the ball and he's like steps back and kind of like shakes his head and kind of like takes a little bit of a moment and under his breath, which anybody just around us would have heard, he tells the kid, he goes, I bet you wish your dick was as big as your mouth. Excuse, <laughs> excuse my profanity. And I'm like, jaws dropping, and everybody's just like, oh, oh, like cheering him on, like, oh, like this kid just got <laughs> shut down, like totally like embarrassed the kid, right? 
and he proceeds that he just and you know like he's got this smir- ian poulter's got this smirk on his face he knows he, he just j- clowned this dude, dude. Yeah, he clowned his kid, and then we're all like cheering for him. And DJ and Kiz is in the back, and like they like Kiz is watching football, so he looks up, and they're just like, "No, he did it right," because it was just loud enough for everybody to hear. And he just proceeds to just pipe it like three twenty down like the middle of the fairway, and he's just like, and they all just continue on, you know. So he's got his, he's got the he's got the Ian Poulter chest out right, and he goes to pick up the tee, and as he's picking up the tee, you know, he's you know one finger is just still open and obviously, you know, read between the lines and he just continued about his day. And, oh man, it it was so, it was awesome. And I've been a fan of that ever fan of him ever since, because, you know, he's very like witty, like he's very quick and on his feet. And it's just like, you can, he's, you know, and we'll get into this, like how much I love the Ryder cup and like, kind of like the after party, like we saw some of the videos, but it's just, you know, he was so witty and we saw him coming up a different hole and my buddy's like, yo, nice comment back there on four. And he just smirked and kept going. And he's just like, yeah, like he's just like, yeah, I know. And it, it, it was just ever since that, I've been a fan and people are like, oh, I hate Poulter. And I'm like, no, I'm a fan of that guy. Yeah, and I'll tell like, you no, actually, he's got an all time chirp game and I love him for it. It was it was awesome. And it's just he's always been one of those guys. It's just been known to kind of be the life of the party, be the funny guy in the rooms in settings where like he, you know, someone needed to break the ice. It's going to be Poulter to just kind of make the guys feel at ease. So I love that story. Uh, It's it's one of those things where at this point it's it's becoming like Tom Brady esque where it's like people are going to hate him just because he's had so much success. But you got to tip the cap and say, dude, you, you, you really didn't have all that great of a Ryder cup. And then all of a sudden you come out Saturday afternoon, you get some points on the board and then you go out and absolutely take down probably one of the hotter guys all week. And Tony Fino, it's, it's great stuff to see, man. Uh, Yeah. It's, it's awesome to see. And at the end of the day, the Ryder cup's just special. Like I, I've gotten kind of a new light on it. Um, At first I was like, Hey, what is it? It is what it is kind of thing. Like, this is cool. You know, they're playing, but after just kind of seeing like the stuff on social media about them kind of getting together and some of like the Europeans like crying, like they're like, wow, I really let my team down. Like it really goes to show how much pride these guys go into taking it. But at the end of the day, they're all boys. The camaraderie's there. They're all family, whether you're European or you're, you know, part of the United States and they're out drinking with each other, just enjoying it. Because I think that's kind of like what it is. It's almost like the, when it's that time of the year, it's like one big celebration for like the end of the season. And it's just like, we're just going to get like the 24 best guys and we're just going to have, you know, a hell of a time. Yeah. And, I and think that's what they did. You, you saw it. Rory was partying yeah, with you, the guys after the, after the round. And, and we had a text conversation earlier today, which I thought put a lot of, a lot of light on like these relationships, right? Like it's not the Azinger Faldo relationship. It's not the, Sevy and and whatever american he was playing at that time gary player arnold palmer um it, it's different man we live in such a connected society now that a lot of these guys that play for europe live in the united states they they live in jupiter or they have great relationships with these guys they got a second house in the united states so i mean i know guys like hovland they he went to he went to school at oklahoma state so he's got yep really big ties. He's really close from what I understand with Morikawa. Those guys are like buddies because they went to college at the same time together, played against each other. Uh, as we saw, Rory's very close with the, with the U S guys, just because I think a, he's got the place in Jupiter 
and he just plays on the PGA tour all the time. But B, if you think about too, his, his kind of behind the scenes roles, he's the players like coordinator on the PGA tour. He represents the players at a bigger level. I think the, the players trust him that to be the voice of the game. And, and, and that's why Rory was there. I think, you know, he, even if he wasn't so close to those guys to be the voice of the game, you saw it in the interview that he had after his round wrapped up, he didn't even get to start talking and he was in tears about how much the Ryder cup meant to him and how special of a place that this event has in golf as a whole. Anytime Rory opens his mouth, it's about the greater good of golf. It's not about him. It's not about his stats. It's about the greater good of golf. And I think, if we learn one thing from the entire weekend, it's be a little bit more like Roy McElroy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just like you said right there, I mean, everything that he does and he talks about is for like the game of golf, right? It, it's for bettering the game in the future for the kids and even for himself and those up and coming. I mean, it, it's like, it's the saying, uh, what's the saying where, um, when you leave somewhere, you, you make it better than what, what you found it. Mm-hmm. And that I feel like that's just like his motto when it comes to just golf in general. It really is. And I think when, when he talked to of just like, you know, he hopes he can play it again. And, and I, it's just, I don't, I don't understand. It's going to be weird one day because it'll come just like it came for Lee Westwood this year. It'll come where it's probably going to be his last Ryder cup. Lee talked about it. He was four down or two down with four to play. And he wins three out of the last four. And they talked to him after the Ryder cup was over in in the team presser um, about how special it was for him. And he's like, listen, I had my son on the back. He's like, you you don't think I understood that I'm 49 years old. I know that my time's up. If you thought I was leaving here without winning my singles match, you're crazy. I just, it's so cool, man, to see these guys that, I mean, the European side had it all week long. You saw Sergio pass the all time wins record for most points won in a Ryder cup. We we were watching history in the making on the European side of things, even though they lost Westwood played in four different decades of a Ryder cup. So did Paul Casey. So did Sergio. I mean, yeah, they didn't win, but historically speaking, we saw so many incredible, possibly last time scenarios for the European side of things. You, you got to kind of soak in that side of things for them as well. Cause it was really awesome to watch because you could tell yeah. those guys, everyone was in tears. You know how much it means to these guys. Yeah. They kind of almost know that as a team, they're, they're going to be almost in a rebuilding year. I guess you mm-hmm. can say like, that's the best way to kind of compare it. And it, it's like they're rebuilding. They know that they're going to see a lot more new faces when it comes to the next Ryder Cup. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting um, if they end up replacing Garcia, if they end up replacing Casey and Poulter and Westwood. Um, Tyrrell Hatton was kind of eh, all weekend long. I know he got a half point when he needed to, but um, you know he kind of got clubbed by Justin Thomas, which I think everyone did all weekend long. So you're looking at five guys that just like they're going to have to replace maybe even six. And I mean, don't get me wrong. The United States did that this year. We had six rookies. So in two years, a lot can happen. Uh, I'm excited to see who some fresh faces on the European side will be. 
Um, it was kind of crazy to me too to step back and look at the captains on the European side. They had greats like Martin Keimer and Henrik Stenson. Uh, and obviously Podrick Harrington is their main captain. Like you're looking at a lot of these other guys just from the captain side of things that like, man, when I was a kid and even in high school and college, those were like the greats. Those were the yeah. unbeatens, right? Like they were the stoic legends of the European side. So it's kind of crazy to think that like, we're getting to a point where they're getting timed out. Father time doesn't stop for anybody. And it's, it's, it's wild to see this kind of change of the guard, uh, U.S. just got to it first. We, we've got an incredible young core uh, that's going to be interesting to see how the European side tries to match and or beat um, what's going on in the year on the U.S. side because it's incredible right now. Yeah, a lot of change. A lot of change is happening fast. To some, it's like I can't believe it. But to some, like you're saying, it's it's going to be interesting to see. And obviously, they're going to fill those roles pretty quickly. So it's just a matter of who. Kind of like really with the next – few years a matter of kind of like when but you know we're with especially with the guys coming up from you know the corn fairy tours and all that and all like the those even playing on like the european tours and all their developmental tours i mean it anything can happen at this point with the with the game yeah it, it is it's so it's so true i mean if you look at it too they were this is a crazy stat and i think we'll end on like the team talk on this the last Ryder cup both colin morikawa and Victor Hovland were still in college. Yeah. And then in the last two years, they Colin Morikawa has won two major championships and become the number three player in the world. And Victor Hovland's not that far behind him. So that's if you look awesome. at how fast it can happen, there's a lot that can change between that's, this Ryder Cup saying, and the next. Dude, <laughs> just how good these guys are and how good they're getting. It's just, that's insane. Yeah. That was a stat that like blew my mind. I'm like, you think about it, right? That's not that long. And obviously we had the extra year uh, with COVID and whatnot to kind of build resume and whatnot. Uh, but it's crazy, man. Anything can happen. Uh, you know, guys that you thought were gone can put themselves back in the picture and vice versa. Brand new names, brand new faces could put themselves on the map and become heroes in two years. Yes, sir. Awesome, man. Well, I'm pumped to, to not only – I think already anticipate what's going to go on at Rome because we have to, we had so much success, a record setting performance by the, by the USA. Um, you, you can't, you can't do anything but look forward, I think to Rome and, and what's in store for the next Ryder cup. I mean, just Rome itself. That just sounds, that sounds insane. That just, that's going to be awesome. Like I'm not, I like, I can't wait. Like this is, I guess you could say my opening, um, eye for the, uh, for the Ryder cup and like just kind of just getting my hands into it. So I will say this. Um, I'm low key excited because it's going to be in Rome uh, to, to pour late night and early morning cups of coffee. And th there's something special. And, and I think we'll do this as a podcast because we're in that space now. But like when I was in college and the last Ryder cup was in Europe, we had the whole golf team get up stupid early or stupid late or whatever it was, wherever it was. And, have a party basically we you know three in the morning get up steaks and eggs and and coffee and, and and watch the Ryder cup i think it's it's one of those special events where if you can get a group together uh and, and have a good time uh it just makes it ever that much more fun as a fan that's going to be watching it probably stateside as as those guys go out to rome maybe maybe never know maybe maybe we'll be in rome who knows when in rome yep <laughs> 
All right, guys. Well, that's it from our Ryder Cup talk. As we get into our interview with Ryan Gable here, uh, just a couple shout outs to what uh, we're working on currently. Uh, you can go to www.enjoythewalkpod.com uh, to check out all the latest from us, the latest merch drops, the latest blogs, uh, and some, some stuff about Single Strap Society as well. So we've kind of kept that under the radar, but we still have a little bit of merch from Single Strap Society as well. So if you guys want to go check that out, Go to www.enjoythewalkpod.com. Before we get into the episode as well, Dante, I want to talk a little bit about Palm Springs Golf Championship. Uh, We are zoning in on the end of our season, unfortunately, here in the East Coast. Um, It got chilly beyond belief this past weekend. Got down into the 50s. I know that might not be chilly for some of you up north, uh, but it's chilly for us, okay? And uh, what better way to break a little bit of the winter rust off, maybe the snow by then, um, then head out to Palm Springs, California, January 9th through the 12th. Uh, Dante, you missed it last year, but you're all geared up and ready to rock and roll for it this year. Um, they have gross and net uh, events to get into out there, guys. So go check it out, www.fungolfvacations.com. Dante, what are you most excited about when you're thinking about the Palm Springs Golf Championship? I think it's just going to be mainly like the camaraderie with like a tournament setting. And I honestly have to part like the views, the freaking views that I saw from you sending me pictures and the video snippets that you got. I mean, holy smokes. It's just, that's not something too often where you're just going to be within the country where you're like, you know what? I'm just going to kind of go to like this majestic desert and just see like these mountainous peaks and, and it being like, 80 degrees and like just perfect weather wherever you go i think kind of like that one picture where you were standing out in front of like the cottage and you're like yeah check this out and you like turn the camera and like it was just like nice grass and water the sun the way like the sun kind of just glistens off of the mountains and and the and some of the water that's out there that you're shocked is out there you're like that's just breathtaking it is, man. It's one of those places where you got to see it to believe it. Uh, pictures don't do it justice. Those pictures I sent you, I was sitting out there with a cup of coffee, just like in awe of like this, this place exists, right? Like I, I'm, I'm not like a figment of my imagination. Like I'm living it. I'm there. Um, it really is. It's, it's breathtaking uh, guys. This Palm Springs golf championship is on the same course that the American express championship will be on where the pros will play a week after you get to play it. So you're playing it in PGA tour conditions a week before the pros get to play it at uh, PGA West stadium course and PGA West Nicholas course. So like we said, go check it out. Join us out there. We'll be doing a lot of live froms out there. We'll be mucking it up with a full field this year. Uh, so 60 in the gross division, 125 in the net division. Um, you're going to want to play. You're going to want to check it out. Um, be ready to play a lot of golf. There's not just your tournament rounds. If you want to play some afternoon skins games, if you want to play some afternoon horse races, you can. Uh, I advise you do. It's the best part about it. I'm not going to lie. I love tournament golf, but the camaraderie of just getting a random partner in the afternoon from halfway across the nation and playing with them and being buddies with them by the end of the day is the best part about this game and the best part about the Palm Springs Golf Championship. Yeah, I think that one tournament that you played afterwards, the little like, two-man scramble or whatever skins game yep. that course was insane that course looked so good it was just unique because it seemed like it was desert mountains it was it was it was literally cut into the mountains um yes. the last like the entire entirety of the course really other than like three or four holes that kind of like wrapped back in towards the clubhouse 
were on the mountains. Like you had to carry your drives over some of these mountains or around them. Uh, and if you didn't, you, you were in like the cactuses and you know, all kinds of good stuff. So it's, it's one of those places that's just, it's, if you've never been there, you've got to go experience it. So come out, join us, join, enjoy the walk podcast, join fun golf vacations at www.fungolfvacations.com. All right, guys, that's it from our little plug. We're going to get into our interview here with Ryan Gable from plus one creative alternate golf logos. Hope you guys enjoy. Welcome back to the enjoy the walk podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, if you've had a second to take a look around your pro shop, whether it's uh, the logo on the shirts, the logos on the walls or the logo outside, when you step into the shop, uh, you, you might see that it's outdated. Uh, we're happy to bring on a guy who's trying to change that vibe, whether it's inside your pro shop or alternative logos, um, plus one golf creative or plus one creative out of the Hudson Valley, New York area. If you've seen anything we've shared on our stories uh, or on our pages, we've tried to reshare a lot of the cool vibes that Ryan's been bringing to the table. So happy to have Ryan Gable on the show. Ryan, you are doing a lot of incredibly cool things to change the vibe of golf courses around the country. Happy to have you on the show, man. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. This is, uh, this is cool. Yeah. Pumped to, uh, pumped to see how it got going for you. I know it seems like you've been just churning and burning all these incredibly cool logos. So I'm pumped to see how you got into it. You know, when, when we talk golf course logos first and foremost, what do you see and why did this kind of capture your attention as something that needed to be addressed? Well, uh, you know, during COVID, I would say, more than any other industry on earth. I mean, other than maybe Zoom that we're on right now. Uh, golf got an incredible, you know, Tiger Woods type boom. So, you know, we, we saw so many more people, you know, flooding into the game. And, um, you know, I got a lot of friends that are in the PGA system. And you know, I asked them, I was like, man, you got to be making money hand over fist. He goes, well, the golf course is, you know, I'm, I'm not. So, um, you know, I come from a part of the country that has, you know, a lot of alternative logos and um, good or bad. I think, you know, the Northeast might be 20 years ahead of, of everybody else on a creativity scale. Um, and I think that, you know, I could bring something to them that they could at least monetize the, the extra, the extra eyeballs in the game. Plus, you know, there's a lot of people that are around our age that are, you know, that have different tastes than our mom and dad. So um, I wanted to try to put my own spin on each course and, and get something, put a little extra money in the pro's pocket and then, you know, make sure I go home with a hat that I like. <laughs> That's funny, man. It's it, uh, something that's been trending on your stories lately. And I love it has been the, the fight against times new Roman, I guess you could call it. And I love it because you never realize how many golf courses have this just bold letter and that's, that's their style. Right. Um, Dante, you and I have been to enough golf courses yeah. to kind of recognize this status quo, I guess you could call it of golf course, numeral logos or big letter logos. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, you can say that. And it's just like one thing I wanted to point out here is if you just go to your page, I think it's just so sick because it's all just white. If you just look at it, like not picture by picture, if you just look at it as a whole, it's just a giant white backdrop. And then it's just <laughs> your like updated created logos. And one thing I've always noticed, and I'm a big fan of it too, is if you look at guys who play constant golf, who are 
avid golfers like like the three of us that play competitively that bebop around to course to course and you know you match and then you're looking at their logo it's like anytime you see a guy who can play usually who plays a lot of different places it's they got head covers with logos on it uh knitted um head covers putter covers it's it's not necessarily like the the polo anymore it's it's the hats it's the belts and it's the and it's the uh it's get it's the gear on the on the clubs and i just thought it was just like it's so unique and kind of intuitive but so simplistic when you look at your page yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's meant to be like that. You know, I started doing white backgrounds in the, in the beginning, and I wasn't sure if I wanted to change up the aesthetic. And then, because, you know, I've seen other, um, other designers, you know, it gets the right background and it complements the thing. But I'm like, you know what? People got to see these things on a, on a white imperial hat. They got to they gotta envision that, and that's, that, that's what they got to see. And I wanted it to kind of, you know, speak for itself and, and realize that, hey, these things actually have to be stitched. So, you know, my original sketches for a lot of these are incredible, but then I gotta, you know, go on the computer and dumb it down and dumb it down. And um, it's just a, you know, for, you know, pivoting off of what you said, the, you got letters everywhere and everywhere and now, everywhere. Now you say sketches, right? So when you go through this process of looking at like all these old, these logos, these just stone age logos. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to tune it up. I'm going to touch it up. I'm going to make it pop and I'm going to make it, keep it simple with it. And you say sketches now, like me being like the retired artist that I used to be in high school, nothing crazy, but is it something you take like on pencil and paper and then you transform into on the computer or is it like, how's like your thought process and like your design come up with? Yeah. So um, I, I do do pencil and paper. I actually try to, I actually try to throw it out afterwards just so I don't have to look at something that I really like and then something I created on a computer. So I try to, you know, go all in on that one design. Um, but yeah, I do pencil and paper and honestly, it's probably why I'm not a better golfer. I mean, I'm playing tournament golf and I'm, I'm sketching things on the golf course on my yardage book. It looks ridiculous. And, you know, I would say it's why I'm plus one creative instead of plus three creative. I love that. I love that. The, I, I got to sometime for another date and time. I got to take a look at some of these yardage books. They've got to look like <laughs> incredible, either incredible sketch work or just like third grade doodles. I don't know which, which one might come first. It reminds me of kind of like Eminem story where he just had like these little like mini yellow Lego pads. And anytime he came up with kind of a rhyme scheme, he would just open it up and just sketch it real quick and keep it on the same page is that like the same way that you're probably your yardage books looks like it's just it's just instead yeah. of sketches of rhymes it's just sketches of just logos like all over like the map of just the one hole oh i mean it's it's a little bit of everything i mean sometimes i'll you know i'm on the i'm on the ninth hole of a, a usam qualifier this year and you know the the, the flag is cut eight off the left, but I got a breathtaking drawing of a birdhouse that I saw <laughs> down the right rough line. Um, I, I think I three putted too. So like I was obviously distracted, but I saw, you know, the need to do it. And actually they're going to, I think they're we're pretty much finalizing the deal. I think we're, we're good, almost good to go on that one because it's a, it's a design that people have, have liked online. And I, uh, you know, I, you guys know, I put out these polls. 
uh, I want to get a a really good cross section of people. So it's a lot of logo buffs. It's a lot of PGA guys. It's it's a lot of guys that have you know real skin in the game. So it's not a bunch of my buddies that are doing the polls. And frankly, I this is the first time I've ever shown my face doing this. So um, I'm excited to to actually come out of the shadows and. Love it. I had a I had a little bit of a career transition, so I'm I'm doing this full time now, which is uh, really exciting but utterly terrifying. But I yeah. think uh, you hit it's on golf. Really, I can handle it. You hit on some really incredible points there, which I want to kind of break down a couple of them. You you mentioned there's a lot of guys that follow you and obviously interact with you, and you're doing logos for that have skin in the game, and I think that's why we really love what you're doing too. Is you're not just putting logos out there and saying, Hey, here's a cool hat. Go to my website and buy it. Right. You're helping yeah. PGA professionals improve their shop. You're helping country clubs who maybe just are stuck in the late 1990s, update some things, renovate and, and bring yeah. a, maybe a new membership. Cause I know, especially at my course, we saw, like you said, the COVID boom where we saw incredible amounts of we're almost to the point now where we've got two courses where I'm at and they're thinking of turning the one member only course that used to be members only and was public mm-hmm. for a while. They're thinking about turning it back to members only because we have such right. a big membership base and it goes to play off of, well, the new members, the 20 late twenties, early thirties, even, you know, low forties, they're kind of sick of the old ho-hum logos and the minute you so, show some pop or some color in a new logo with a little bit of animation, people jump all over it and they can't keep it on the shelf. So, you know, you're based in the Hudson Valley area. Has has most of your work been in this kind of eastern region so far since you've gotten started? Uh, so one of my early logos I did for a course called Thorny Lee just outside of Boston. And I did a the, one of my favorite designs. I did a, a set of boxing gloves. Just a little backstory. Brockton, Massachusetts is one of the proudest cities in the country, especially sports cities. Um, called the City of Champions. Uh, Rocky Marciano's from there, and the lineage is just great. And they introduced it uh, their, I would say their member guest week this year. Um, and it's something it's something unique. It's something that you know isn't isn't done all over the place. It's not a bald eagle. It's not a hawk. It's it's something that screams thorny Lee at you. So um, there's some science behind it too with the, uh, with the younger players in there. I would say people in the 27 to 40 range, uh, they have different tastes from everybody else. This is actually their first real taste of exclusivity. A lot of guys, it's their first club. It's the first time they ponied up an initiation fee and have gone all in on a place. So um you know, if you can introduce something that's exclusive and it's fun and it's uh, it's unique, they're going to want to buy it. Also, I'm a big believer in you cannot possibly double up on logos. You cannot be wearing the same one on a hat and a shirt at the same time. I think uh, a couple of years back, I have a I have a Shinnecock shirt I don't wear because I had a Shinnecock head cover, and then I I was like I I don't want to look like the happiest guy to have ever played Shinnecock, so. <laughs> Uh, that's, that's kind of part of the method to my madness, but, um, I try to do something unique. I mean, there's, there's a course up here in Connecticut, right near where I live that a lot of, a lot of logo buffs look at it. Uh, Stanwich club in Greenwich, Connecticut is one of the best logos in the country. And I would say you could put it up there with Wingfoot and burning tree. It's 
probably as close to perfect as you can find. Um, it's fun. It's unique. It doesn't have anything. Uh, it's, it's, it's nothing crazy, but, uh, you know, Mike Suma, the head pro there, I mean, ask him, ask him how he's done off the logo. It's their, their old, their old logo is a, a gaudy crest. It's still, it's still on their flag. And I think I still have a, I, I have a pullover that I've never put on with the crest from uh, the Metropolitan Amateur back when I was a kid. So it's a, trust me, he's, he's done pretty good off of it. And he knows, he knows the quality stuff to put it on. And um, it's done wonders for their course. I mean, it's turned sandwich from a decently manicured golf course in, in Connecticut. That's a pretty good layout to, you know, a national brand. So Courses like that, you would think old, stuffy, you know, New England, metropolitan. Oh, there's no way we could possibly change this. It's the old, stuffy clubs that are willing to, you know, kind of sack up and take the chance at it. I mean, the first, the guy, it was a cartoonist that did it, uh, I would say 30 years ago. Uh, he did it on a napkin in the, in the grill room. And I'm sure he got laughed out the door. And now it's the symbol of the golf course that, everybody in the country knows people who don't even couldn't even picture a hole at sandwich they know what the logo of sandwich is that's it's incredible what a, a change can do right like no matter if it's subtle or if it's completely upending what it looked like mm -hmm. before a change can like you said create a national brand especially when you're yeah. looking at some of these courses that get a lot of play and even maybe don't have any outside play. Maybe they're just all, yep. you know, exclusive, but let's take a step back from all of that and the courses and the logos and just talk about how you got here. Right. You said you made a career change and obviously you're doing this full time. What did you, what did you come from and how in the heck did you get into creating such <laughs> incredible, possibly national branded logos for these clubs? Thank you. Um, well, let's see here. I was a insurance broker on the healthcare side. And uh, I started, you know, kind of right, right during, pretty much during COVID. Um, and I would say my industry kind of took a hit, like uh, it was the exact inverse of the suburban real estate market. It just, everybody stopped making, you know, medical decisions. And, you know, frankly, it probably wasn't a job that was tailored to me. I mean, it's long-term relationship building where, you know, I'm, I'm, as a golfer, I'm naturally kind of introverted. Uh, I like just putting my headphones on and just doing my own thing. So that's kind of where I feel more comfortable. And it's just, you know, I'm 35. I don't have kids. Uh, I figured, why not? I might, might as well do something that, uh, you know, I, I get up in the morning that I'm excited to do. It's like, gosh, what, what am I going to create later this day? And, you know, there's something to be said about, you know, doing something with your hands and, um, and, you know, finishing off something, it's the same when it takes me three and a half hours to put together something from Ikea. It's like I, I accomplished something. I tell you, I tell you what, those, those Ikea uh, furnitures are another day, another conversation. But what you're doing <laughs> now, um, let's, you know, obviously the golf background that you had played a played a really big part in it as well. You're quite an accomplished yep. player in your own right. Mentioned before we got on that you're right around the plus handicap area. So you've been playing for a while, I imagine. Um, to get yep. to even being playing that good. So you've been around the industry for a while and having that relationship, not only between, you know, fellow golfers that enjoy the game as much as you do, but PGA professionals too. Like who was the first person when you said, Hey, I want to do a logo that you reached out to and, and that actually bit on the idea of you kind of transforming what they looked at. 
uh, Beverly Country Club in near just outside of Chicago, Illinois, which I would say I, I think they're in the top 200 courses in the country right now. It's one, it's, it's one of the better tracks in the Midwest. Uh, I played there years ago, probably before they removed 80 million trees, which I heard it's better now. Uh, so they had these new flag sticks and uh, I was just doing it as a hobby. And then somebody asked me, Hey, how, you know, how much for that? I was like, uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know how much digital art costs, but I'll get back to you on it. Um, but no, it, and you know what? That's a pretty high profile club to, to take a shot at me for my first, first logo. And then, you know, Thorny Lee happened. And then, you know, for some reason, every golf course in New England has reached out to me to uh, at least do something as very little as a, as a member logo. So, uh, but, but from a couple minutes ago, use, use the C word, which I try to uh, avoid on my, on my page. I don't like the word change. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> so my logo, the reason it's plus one, it's, it was my handicap and I couldn't think of anything more creative, but it's plus one. It's your logo plus one. I'm not kicking out anything. I'm not, like we, we, we're not going to throw the other logo in the trash. This is still your primary logo, but don't be shocked if mine outsells yours by double. <laughs> I'm just saying that you don't have to change the signage. Uh, that's why a lot of courses in the state of Florida are, are iffy about changing anything. And see, I, I use the C word. I don't like doing it. Um, it's, I, I call it a pro shop alternate. You don't have to, I mean, think about the undertaking uh, a golf course in Florida would have to do to rebrand their, you know, everywhere you drive in, there's seven points where you can go into the community. They have concrete pillars with the logo on it. I mean, it's a million dollar change for me to change something in the pro shop. It's not that, it's not that, um, not that hard to do. So I try to stay kind of in that realm where, listen, if it, if it is one of these things that 20 years from now, people keep buying yeah, maybe change the sign out front, but let's let's just uh, you know let's just dip our toe in the water. Oh, and I always remember like the way you put it there, the plus one. Um, my first ever trip to Oak Hill Country Club, they had a mm -hmm. members only section that was a completely mm -hmm. different logo uh, and a, a completely different vibe. You know, it was on different materials, it was on different mm -hmm. things. You couldn't get those logos or things in the actual pro shop itself and that always amazed me um and it was kind of something i always sought after is like okay well if places have that that i can get my hands on it man i really want that it's like telling a kid <laughs> that you're, you're holding an ice cream cone in front of him and saying oh, you can't have that you can have yeah. the the dip of ice cream over there in the cup it's like no i want the cone too uh that that kind of logo always amazed me um and it's yep. really cool to you, you know you go in with that mentality of not change but just plus one because i think when, when you can tell a golf course, a pro shop, I'm just going to add to your repertoire. I'm going to add to the options you have. That can only speak good things. I think a full change, like you said, not only can be costly, but it can be kind of scary and saying, man, if we make the wrong decision and, and flip-flop it and it doesn't go our way, what are we in yeah. for? Then it's another you know, full change, quote unquote, that C word mm -hmm. uh, back to something else. So um, it definitely, I can imagine is scary for uh, these, especially larger clubs to dive into. Um, you know, when you see people reaching out via Instagram, or whatever, is that the main focus of how you kind of go out and get work? Or I see you've been putting boots on the ground and getting on the road too. Like, you know, how you've been able to kind of make your, make yourself a, a, almost a household name for some of these clubs to reach out to you. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's been pretty wild. I would say I do a lot of uh, I have a marketing background from from college um, back at Binghamton University. So go Bearcats. Uh, But I have a marketing degree that I'm really starting to put to use for the first time ever. It's a little bit uh, it's a little bit of a disruptive sort of marketing marketing scheme that I'm doing. Sometimes most of the clubs that I've done logos for have reached out to me and they reach out to me first, which as a former salesperson is odd to me because I'm used, used to kind of singing for my suit. But uh, every so often I'll, I'll pick out a really, really bad one and just pick on them online. Um, I mean, there are some golf courses in the Midwest that cutting out Florida as Florida as the worst area for logos in the country. Um, I would say the Midwest should be ashamed of themselves, but, uh, there, there's a, there's a few logos that I I pick on over and over and over again. Um, but I still can't beat down the door for Butler national yet. I'm trying. They have a awful logo and they're a top 50 golf course and they're not that old. And you know, the only thing most people know about them is they got good greens and don't allow women. It's, uh, that, that, that's about it. But like, I, you know, I notice a lot of the golf courses around Chicago and Indiana, it's like they almost have a full sentence in their logo um, where, you know, look at Wingfoot. They don't even have a year underneath it. You look at that, you know, you look at that image, you know what it is. Uh, but, you know, a lot of golf courses that are in that upper echelon, that top 20 in the country, um, a lot of them, a lot of people don't know they're even logo buffs are relatively uneducated. A lot of them are alternates. I mean, people look at the Maidstone logo. That's an alternate. Shinnecock is an alternate. Wingfoot's on their like fifth variation. Uh, Marion even touched theirs up a couple of years back. Like um, MacArthur down in Florida, it's a milk jug. That's an alternate. Like I would say the, I consider myself one of the golf nerds in the country. Um, a lot of people couldn't name or couldn't, couldn't picture that original logo at MacArthur. I mean, I know it just because I've, I've been there a few times, but it's bad. It's heinous. It's a very Florida logo. I think it's incredible the way you just named off like these different regionally based completely across the map places that had either horrible logos and they're good now or logos that are just top 20 golf courses in the country that you know. And, and I think it speaks to not only the kind of golf nut you are, like you said, we're, we're all three nerds here of just golf and golf knowledge, but it speaks to what I imagine is a lot of the research you've done and what makes a good logo and, and what golf courses yeah. are looking for to not only put on clothing, but to embroider, to put on hats. Cause like you mentioned, when we first started the podcast, these don't just have to be great drawings that look cool on paper. You've got to stitch them. You know, how, how does that sometimes affect logos for the better or, or for the worse, depending on what direction you have to take them? So I, I, I would say I kind of studied direct embroidery for a, a previous position. I was in the industrial uniforms where we had the, you know, embroider, you know, a logo on, on an emblem. Um, I, you know, I did pretty well at that because I would re, I have a knowledge of graphic design. I would re-engineer their logo for them and it would spit out great. Like I know it's kind of, you know, I know which elements I'm going to lose in direct embroidery and I know which ones I'm going to gain. And uh, sometimes I've done a touch up for my courses after the first run. I tell them, like, listen, don't order a ton of stuff. Let's roll it out really slowly. And let me see, you know, let me see the first run of stuff and we can pivot. I'll do it for free. 
Um, and that's, I think that's one thing that's kind of setting me aside where, uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not banging people a few hundred bucks for those, those next iterations. I want my best stuff out there, and especially, you know, the better the course, the more I'm, I'm willing to do it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, these things have to be stitched. It's tough. I mean, there's different companies. I make, I make different logos for courses that are, I have different pieces of merchandise in mind. Like I know I can get away with anything if I'm, you know, putting a large stitch logo. Um, Winston can kind of hit all the, all the marks on, on their head covers. They're usually pretty good with stuff and um, they can really kind of make it come to life. But you got to imagine like, yeah, you can make the most beautiful Instagram drawing in the world. Some, some of my most like, you know, unliked photos on my page are probably some of the strongest just because they're the easiest. Like you gotta, you gotta kind of try to toe the line of what's going to be super popular on Instagram and what's actually going to be, going to be stitched well. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you try to keep it down to a certain amount of colors and that's including black and white. And, uh, you know, you got to understand that you know, you've got a one inch by one inch box that a lot of these are going to go into. So you gotta be, you gotta be careful with, uh, you know, some of the intricate detail. I mean, I could, I could make these beautiful pictures and, you know, have everybody gush over them. But the, at the end of the day, um, I want, I want the pro to make some money and not have a headache. So, yeah. You're a realist. <laughs> you're a realist. You yeah. understand what they're going on. And I think it, it hits back to the way Dante spoke about your Instagram page too, and just how clean it is. I mean, uh, guys, if you get a chance, go follow him at alternate golf logos, uh, on Instagram plus one creative is what the logo looks like. It's a little pencil with a flag with a plus one. Um, it's just clean, man. It's just, it, it speaks to, and I, I'm seeing some favorites on here that are close to heart for me. Hershey country club with the little Hershey kiss playing golf. Scranton, uh, country club with the little light bulb with the year in it. I think that's super clean. I might send that their direction. Cause I love it so much. Dante, I don't know if you're seeing that and I'm, it's just, there's some favorites in there. Even the one at Trump Doral, I think this one hits on the fact of what you were talking about of like, wasn't really overall liked, but when you put it on a hat, it just looked incredible. Um, yeah. it's clean, simple to the point, and it just looks great embroidered. Yeah. I appreciate that. I mean, I, I, I have a default embroidery program that I run it through that is utterly terrible. And I do, I, I take, I take one that's terrible on purpose just to see like in the most basic sense, like what am I going to lose? So uh, if it can, if this, if this program is able to spit out a good image, I know I've hit on a pretty, pretty good one. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the Trump out one's really cool. It's uh a little bit of a mashup between an alligator and a snake it's got a little bit of element of both but you know when i'm thinking of blue monster i wasn't sure what to go with and i didn't you know i didn't want to make fozzy bear so i went with something i went with something more florida based i'm digging the firestone country club one yeah I yeah me, me too like so give us a, a story no-brainer. on that because i know <laughs> you fought hard for that from what i understand to just break the mm-hmm. door open to even get the conversation started and then as soon as you got that conversation started it seems like the wheel got turning pretty quick yeah yeah i mean the the, there's a little bit of red tape involved with that just because it's uh they're managed by club corp um the head the director of golf loves it he's a i mean he's a gem if you ever 
if you're following his page. He's he's an interesting cat. Uh, he's cool. He's he's a, he's a really really good fit for Firestone. Um, but I'm trying to work with him to kind of get that, you know, in motion at some point. I know, uh, you know, with management companies, they don't like alternate branding at all. And I would say that's my, I would say that's my biggest holdup right now is like if somebody, if one of the, one of the golf courses, I mean, courses from all over the country who are Troon courses and Club Corp and, you know, just any, any management company, they're so gun shy to, uh, to change anything. But, you know, a good golf course logo doesn't have a full paragraph in it of like, oh, you know, so-and-so golf and, and country club and tennis and pickleball now and so-and-so. And, oh, by the way, we have a pool too. Like they, they have everything written in there. Um, and it's just, it's a, that's one of those ones where it's, it's logos done by non-golfers where I think in terms of uh, a business, this isn't more of a, are you a good artist is, are you creative and do you have a good feel for it? So like, you know, there's a lot of research that goes into all my designs. Like I'll see what the big industry was, you know, around the turn of the century when the course was built. And I mean, even the Scranton one, Scranton is not really much of a pivot because that is the current S they use. Mm -hmm. But I sit here till two in the morning and I have the office background, um, I can hear all the episodes. I already seen a hundred times, but you know, Scranton is the elect, the electric city. I mean, Google the, uh, the YouTube video. It's incredible. Uh, but that is a, that's a symbol in the middle of the city is that exact, uh, that exact shape of a light bulb. And I don't know, it's, I, I can't say what, what people's tastes are. I know, I know what the country club of Scranton logo is right now, but, I mean, if you put a gun to my head, it's better. It's 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 better than what it is. It's it's more creative, but it's not crazy. It's not a wacky one. It's the same, you know, one color design. It's just a little more interesting. And if that had, I always tell my my friends this, if that had been the previous design, and I came at you with what their current one was, people would be coming after me with pitchforks, like. If my design was the original one, it's hard to conceptualize that. But if, if I was the incumbent person and then I came at them with just letters and a crest, they would have said, this sucks. So it, it's hard to, you know, I mean, listen, if Shinnecock can change their logo, anybody can. This is why I love you is simply as a follow. Um, you go after people on stories and I love <laughs> it because it's deserved. So some of these logos are just, you look at it and you say, that's the one, that's the one you went with. And that's the one some of these clubs have stuck with for over 20, 30 years, if not longer. And, and Dante yep. got me into a really cool part of golf fashion. I would say when I met him and understood what he liked versus what I like wearing, he loves the embroidered belts like a hundred percent loves the embroidered belts. And now I, when I go into a pro shop, I look for mm -hmm. these embroidered belts and it's something that I look at that now I never look at before. And it takes a good logo on a belt like that to be buy worthy, right? Like I'm not going to buy yeah. it if the logo's garbage. Um, you don't I think want, that's you don't want those, a $150 belt with a, uh, with a crest on it with a times new Roman T on it. No, I don't. Uh, <laughs> and, and Dante, sorry, you can sorry Toledo it. country club. Yeah. It's like, it's like you go into these shops, especially when you're traveling yep. and you look for stuff like that. And Dante's taught me the art of how to buy some good, uh, good golf merch in a pro shop. 
I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, after, like, meeting Dalton, kind of going back and forth, like, what we like to see, I mean, you constantly see these days, it, it's the logo hat and the logo shirt and the logo ball. Like, that's, like, the three things that mm-hmm. everybody goes to purchase and always has been and probably always will. And it's – but what makes the update, let's say not change, the update – or, you know, something that piques your interest in what you want to buy, something different. Because it's, you know, how many logo shirts are you going to have, right? Like, I mean, you're just going to fill up your closet. I have 45. 45. Yeah. Okay. And I, and I honestly, I, whenever I have friends over to my place, I will give them away to my friends. Like if I've worn it enough as like party favorites. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like they just hooked up with Derek Jeter, but you know. They just, they went out for beers with me in my town, but like, I'll just like give away a shirt. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, don't, I don't buy golf shirts anymore because we get them, you know, with all the tournaments and stuff. And uh, I, I, I try to pick out t-shirts now. I like hoodies, um, you know, maybe a winter hat, just something different. I mean, I'm looking, Yes. if, if you do something interesting, I'll give you a visual. This is, there was the tea gifts a couple of years ago for the Gasparilla Invitational. It's a flask. It's something different. It wasn't a pullover. Um, yes. and, that, and that's yeah. like the thing. It's like and I, I still have it pops. because of that. And, yeah, and it's something that pops to your eye, and you're like, wow, like I can actually – that's a sick logo. That's like sick piece of merch. I'm going to – you know, I can utilize that a lot more. Yep. Like, like you said, like yep. utilize a, t- uh, a shirt or a polo or a hat, and it gets gunky or whatnot, and then it's like – or it just gets stuck <laughs> in a closet, and then or you're giving it yep. out to your buddies. It's But yeah. stuff like – like head covers and and belts like belts like that you can like wear with almost anything you can mix and match i mean like that's like the thing that you see these days it's like you're saying you don't want to be geeked out and like head to toe and shinnecock stuff you can't you can't double up you cannot double up i will call you out on it yeah you see the uh now you see guys it's you got the and you can have multiple logos now like you can represent all the courses that you play before it was just hats and shirts right now it's Head covers, putter covers, hybrid covers, um, bags as some people would will, belts. I mean, I mean, you can walk in and have six different courses and have it on your belt, have it on your, have it on your polo, have it on your hat, have it on mm-hmm. like two other head covers, maybe three head covers. And I think yeah. that's what's so unique now. But in order for me to purchase that, that logo has to be pretty damn cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna buy it. No, you're completely right, Dante. And honestly, a lot of what, so I have like a litmus test for everything that I do. I just, honestly, these logos aren't even for the members. It, it's sprinkling for the members, but it's for the guests that they bring. I mean, if, if you've ever been to any sort of really, really high-end private club, you know, it's a member and three guests. You got to have that guest have to say, he has to walk into the pro shop and be like, ah, I got to get myself a hat before I leave. Like, it has to happen. Like you're, if you don't have a logo that somebody says that with, you're leaving a thousand bucks off the table with every group that goes by. I mean, um, I was out, uh, was I? I was out, I was out playing the bridge this year out in the Hamptons and hell, me and my dad both walked out of there, played one round. I made sure to miss the cut pretty in pretty breathtaking fashion, but, um, uh, I mean, both of us spent in the neighborhood of $300 each and a lot of other people did that. It's just, 
But if it, if it was a crest, I would have took a really nice picture of, of Sag Harbor and I would have shot my 83 and left. <laughs> so um, it's just, it's one of those things that it, it's a, it's a financial must. And honestly, if you're, if your pro owns their shop and you're one of those people that, that holds them up from making money, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on your podcast, but my, one of my first conversations, I had a really, really good logo that one of the members kind of reached out to me. He goes, I actually don't want my pro to, I don't want my pro making that much money. So I, I kindly told him because he said, he said the design was too good and I'll never tell anybody where and who did it, but I made sure he was on the phone with me. And I actually said, do you hear that little garbage can thing? That was me deleting it. And this is me extra deleting it because you guys will never, ever see this logo. Oh, my goodness. Um, and, and that's, but, yeah, if I you're, if, if you're going to treat your pro like that, I'm not going to do business with you. One of the, I guess, mind-blowing things is, is the refusal to change. Dante and I talk about this all the time. And, again, the C word comes up all the time because I guess it's just mm -hmm. habitual for me to say that. But the refusal, yep. refusal, I guess, to modernize and to, to bring a different view into picture, I think, is the biggest talking point of a lot of places is like, well, we've always done it this way. But that's always been our logo. Why would uh. we? Um, yeah, and, and Dante, I know he cringes because we have this conversation all the time. What is some of the pushback that you've maybe received from some of these old, old clubs? And But, you know, on the Catch-22, has there been much pushback or are you reluctant to get through to a lot of these older style places and say, hey, I'm going to make you money? Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just it, – I, I just don't think they understand that uh, – and it's it's tough to make people understand this. It's just – they think I'm changing something. I'm not. It's um, if I want mustard on my hot dog, that doesn't mean I have to have mustard on everything ever. Like if you give me fries with that, I'm going to put some ketchup on it. It doesn't mean I'm the, we're the ketchup guys now through and through. It's just, it's a, it's just something different. It's a reason for your members to buy two separate things of merchandise because they don't have to double up on their own logo. That's the only I would say the only one I wouldn't call somebody out for is if one of them has, you know, the, the old logo of their course and then, you know, something unique mm -hmm. as long as it's different. And a lot of these places. So I follow a lot of the golf courses in the country and I follow a lot of PGA pros. The one thing that I find is that every place thinks they're incredibly unique, but like during member guest season, I have to see a million stories of some nitwit, you know, trying to really, you know, trying to really not thin one in, in a shootout and everybody calls their, their member guests the invitational and they have the same stuff and they have the same, this, the same swag. Um, and, and you guys, you, you've played golf forever. The one thing golfers want is a unique experience. That's a reason why, you know, they go to some of these places like, all right, you know, Pebble beach, it's a unique experience because, of what's surrounding you. I mean, the 11th hole there isn't the best hole in the world. It's not like they have the fastest greens on earth. It's not the hardest golf course on earth, but it's a unique experience to be, you know, basically in golf heaven out there, you know, on the Monterey Peninsula. Like um, when I go to Oak Hill, like their little, uh, you know, their halfway houses have the little peanut butter and cheese crackers that, 
you know what? It was it was nice. I I didn't have to spend any money when I the last time I played there. I was younger. I didn't didn't have as much money, but it was nice to have a little little touches like that that make it different from somewhere else where um, everybody does everything so painfully similar. And I would say the Midwest is the least creative place on the face of the earth. I think you hit the nail on the head there as far as just unique experiences that really get people to travel and to pay money. Mm-hmm. When it's when it's something different on a golf course, whether it's a member guest, whether it's just your regular 18 holes of golf, you went and traveled and played somewhere, that little extra touch of detail, that little free pack of crackers or free water bottles or ice down water bottles or ice mm-hmm. buckets somewhere, something, golfers Anything. realize it and they put it in the back of their heads immediately. <laughs> And it comes up in conversation when they travel home. It comes up in conversation when they travel somewhere else. Man, remember that other place? This place doesn't have what that place had. And and it, it yep. trickles on down the line to where all of a sudden it's not just a detail that you do that day or on that course or in the pro shop. It's a detail that travels around the world because – we're golfers. We like to talk. We like to, we like to build fish stories of who had the better yeah. experience. And if we can have a one upper, we're going to tell you about it. And I think, you know, yeah. kind of circling back a, a small minor detail, like a logo update or something like that can just have the world of impact on people years yep. down the road. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, if, if honestly, if I played a golf course, a really good course that has a really bad logo, I'm not going to buy anything. I'm just going to enjoy my day. I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to take it all in, but you're not going to get my 340 bucks at the end that, you know, if I'm going to play Shinnecock or Wingfoot, like I, the, the one thing that I run into when I play a place that good is just trying not to look like a pig on the way out, just getting as much stuff as I can. Well, I, I'll try to buy something before and after just so it's not all on purpose. So I don't look like a jackass. But I mean, I played, uh, I, I play golf courses all the time that just, they don't have a good logo and I have so many good ones. Why would I buy something? Yeah. I love it, man. It's, it's definitely something where, especially when I started following you and realizing the uh, just plethora of logos out there that are almost carbon copies of each other too, which I think is downright hilarious. You're pulling. I found a lot that are exactly the same. You've, you've pulled legitimately same like clip art trees and they're in like 30 different logos. It it blows my mind. It's downright hilarious. Um, Like I said, in the beginning of the uh, episode, guys, if you aren't following him, please go follow him. Just his stories alone are absolutely incredibly hilarious. At times he calls out different clubs that have like, we were just talking about carbon copy logos of each other. He goes, should I do this one? Or should I do this one? Should I do both (laughs) Uh, alternate golf logos on Instagram? Um, Is there any other platforms that you're currently on? Or is it mainly just Instagram? And is that the main way folks can reach out to you if they want some work done? Yeah. So I don't know how to, I don't know how to tweet anything. Um, I have Facebook, but yeah, I don't want, I don't want, uh, it's, it's less interactive. Instagram is so interactive. Like I actually like to get everybody involved. I like to get the public involved in the creative process. Like I get a poll, I get a pretty good, uh, cross section of what people like and what people don't like. Um, and it's only come with a couple negative things on the way back. There's, I mean, there's a golf course in, in North Carolina where the, one of their members asked me, Hey, can you do a concept for me? I did a concept that is, all right, it's a two concept club 
and I got so many nasty grams from all their members thinking I'm changing anything. By the way, their logo is absolutely just ridiculous. Um, should I call them out? Yeah, screw it. Uh, Pine Island in Charlotte. There's a lot of bad logos in Charlotte, and I have kind of cherry-picked Charlotte as one of the one of the better pockets of golf in the South that have a lot of bad logos. Like, uh, so one of their members asked me, like, hey, can you do a concept? Are you guys familiar? You're, you're from Maryland. Are you familiar with the Burning Tree logo? Very. Yep. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll put uh, my hat on yours right now. That and Winefoot. What would be the first thing if somebody said, hey, by the way, the golf course is named Burning Tree. What would you what would you make as the logo? A tree in flames. I mean, Yahtzee. Very and that's simple. why. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the same with Wingfoot. It's a foot with a wing on it. Um, it also was the New York Athletic Club logo, but you know, I won't say anything about that. He digresses. Uh, <laughs> but the, you know, the burning tree. So it's a two element thing. It's on the nose. It's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. So for Pine Island, I took a pine tree and I put like a little on a little small island and it's super simple and it embroidered well, but holy shit, the, the things that people sent me. And now I have about 10 people that I could, I mean, I could put a Picasso up there and they would still vote against it. Um, it just, I have a, a couple people in Charlotte that just don't like me because I, I, listen, I didn't take any money. I didn't change anything. I just, I, somebody asked me to uh, draw him a picture and I drew him a picture. I was like, your course name is Pine Island. You have two elements. I made these two elements and, you know, I think I might've fired back at one of them. I said, this is why you guys aren't burning tree. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, that that's <clears throat> the battle. It, it, it truly is like you, you're sparking interest. The, the, the minute someone goes to a Google review or to just your website and you see a logo that you're like, man, that looks like every other middle of the range country club that I've ever played. Yeah. Like what makes you special? I mean, it doesn't, there are intention spans across the globe are shorter now than they have ever been. Um, mm-hmm. If you're not grabbing people's attention, whether it's a logo or what else, then people aren't going to stick around to find out the rest. And I think that's yeah. the other kind of magic about what you're doing too, is it's, it's no words, it, barely any words, um, maybe one or two. And it's just, it's a pop you in the face real quick. And it's, and it smacks you and it either says, Hey, I want to, I want to find out more what that is. Yep or I don't and, and end yep. of story. And then they're like, all right, move on or figure out more. And logos across the world are trying to do that. And I think it's what golf is so desperately needs. Yeah. Yeah. And, and honestly, um, a lot of courses here, you know, you can make the argument that I'm in downstate New York, but I consider myself upstate cause I'm out in city. But um, so a lot of courses up here have that old native American head logo and you know, the PC police are going to come after them. A, a lot of, a lot of my friends who are, it's actually a big part of our culture up here. Um, a lot of my native American friends aren't offended by it. They actually kind of like having, having them at the courses because they, they, they tell me that, um, you know, people don't forget about them. They don't forget about the, the lineage. Uh, so, but, but a lot of courses are, you know, people have weddings there and they ask them to cover up the, the insignia. So I'm kind of, I'm helping a lot of them transition out of them, but, you know, Native American culture, especially north of me and 
you know, central and western New York. It is such a big part of the culture. I move mean, reservations everywhere. And, um, you know, my one of my roommates in college was Native American. Uh, so it's a I, I'm transitioning them out of that without, you know, turning a blind eye to the culture. Like I'm giving them something cooler, like a, maybe like a tomahawk or or an arrowhead, something that probably will embroider a little easier uh, that you don't. You know that uh, somebody somebody having a wedding there doesn't have doesn't have to cover up, but it's just uh, it's you know like it or not, I'm, the PC police is coming for everything, and oh trust me, they've they've come after some of my logos before. It's just uh, you know, it's it's just one of those things you got to deal with. But you know I, I have a pretty thick skin. I'm a I think I'm if, a you're, bald, if you're li- yeah. living or breathing, uh, those P- PC police are out for you at some point in time. So yeah. everybody's going to run into it, especially if you're like us, where you're putting your opinions out there. Well, even if it's just golf for us, you know, if you're putting your opinions out there, someone's going to have something nasty to say about it somewhere down the line. So um, it, yeah. it's better off to have thick skin and, and kind of stick on your word and, and know, yeah. especially in your shoes, that I'm just designing a logo at the end of the day. Yeah. And, and it's got great intentions behind it. And at the end of the day, you can hang your hat on that. Yeah. I mean, like, listen, I, gr- I grew up with a thick skin. I'm, I'm a bald Asian kid that grew up around New York city that um, my main hobby is golf. So I've been picked on my whole life. I can handle it. I can, <laughs> I can take a no and I can take a punch and I can move on and I'll do better. Or maybe I might hit you back. Who knows? There you go. <laughs> some of these, you guess some, it. <laughs> yeah. Some, some, some of these courses, like I might do, um, I will show you that Pine Island hat and it's actually not bad. Like it's really, really cool looking. It's very simple. It only has three colors and man, were their members mad about it? Cause they have the, they have the full name in there. Yeah. Um, in their, in their logo. And it's a scribble of a, of a tree, which I'm looking at guys. Right yep. I mean, it's, it's, so I got, I got some pretty, some pretty nasty stuff that me like, like, bro, this, this thing is shit. Like everything thrown at me, like in the middle of the night and I can see they vote no on all my stories. <laughs> like, um, it's just, yeah, I, I was doing a favor for one of the members. Like I, I hadn't played there. Just, this was just the thought I had. Like I, I've got some interesting homework and, and it's not for you too, but it's for the, for our listener base as a whole, send us in what you think in your general area, wherever you're at, um, could use an update because I think, you know, as we start to look around, as we start to look around, you can, you can really see where these logos need some desperate help. Dante, you've got one off the top of your head. (laughs) Mine. It stinks. What is it? it? It, Look, it's, it's running deer golf club. And I've seen um, it. Yeah. Yeah. It needs an update. Like they tried, (laughs) they tried to move, they tried to go like, so they just tried that they brought back the member guests. They did it in 2019, obviously COVID they, did away with it but they're bringing it back but i mean if you look at it it's the shield with two running deer on top of each other right and that's it mm-hmm. and it says running it's the old school shield yep. right running deer golf club boom i was mm-hmm. like so they're like oh let's take away the name and let's take away the shield and just have the two deer and like they're trying to get this concept of like the member guest is like the deer are you going to the deer are you playing in the deer like I, I like that concept, but the mm-hmm. logo that they're trying to throw on like the hat for like the new, I guess you can say quote unquote member gear is yeah. two deer. And it's just like, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, well, it's, it's one of those things where, all right. So logos, 
logos can get terrible for two reasons. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever watched Parks and Rec. There are some logos in the country that that are a crest with a name under it, and it has like a golf club, a tennis, uh, a sword, a shield, and then a thing on top. So we call that uh, that's called a camel because it's a horse by committee. That's that's where they're like, all right, you know, we should have this, but we should definitely say this. And then there's there's other ones where it goes exactly the opposite, where um, there's some logos in Florida that are just like a letter like that's it that means somebody probably had a original design and then it just kept getting drummed down and drummed down and drummed down so i try to i try to keep the amount of people that have their real real hands on it creatively down to a very very minimum uh, because then you can get something unique that you know is a a, a chance like listen guys if wingfoot and shinnecock can change their logo so can you like I love it. I love ex- 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 explain to me like other than maybe like augusta and cypress point um anybody else in the country behind shinnecock on the list explain to me how much better you are than them and then i will say something nasty back and probably sarcastic and then and then we can move on and be friends there you go and then but, you can add a plus one logo <laughs> to their to their yeah. arsenal because that's what yep. it's all about is, is building that repertoire. I love it, man. Absolutely. I love what you're doing. I love the way that you're doing it. Uh, like I said, I get an absolute kick out of going through your stories every other night and voting because I have as much fun as you do probably. And I know that's that's a lot of fun, but I have a ton of fun going through and just voting and seeing who you're going to snipe out next. I'm always on edge to see who's the next logo on the chopping block. The Midwest as a whole. I love it. I absolutely love it. Calling out an entire region. Um, (laughs) It's so cool, man. And um, I just, I wish you the best moving forward too, because I know there's just so much opportunity out there for you. I think the golf industry is going to be so much better off with the work you do. Um, Grand, grand scheme of things. If you had to look at it from like a 10 year lens, how many golf Mm -hmm. courses are, would you think, could you have under your belt by, you know, that kind of time frame, or how much would be considered a, an exciting success? Well, an exciting success would be, I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe a third of them, but, um, I mean, I really don't have that much of a personal life and (laughs) I really can crank these things out. And it's just, it's just a feel thing. I take a lot of my meetings during the day. Uh, frankly, I think I could do over a thousand a year. I love it. And it's just a, it's a, sometimes, sometimes if your logo, all right. So this is where I got a lot of pushback from my friends who like Scranton. I would say in the grand scheme of things, take away the golf experience. And that's everybody has trouble compartmentalizing golf course to actual artwork of the course. I would say in the grand scheme of things, Granton probably runs about a four on the logo and is about a nine, eight on the golf course. If I can bring your logo at least to a six, just do it. Who cares? Like, I'm not going to change the primary. You're just going to, you're going to sell, you're going to sell 35% more stuff in a year. And is that really going to hurt anybody? Put all the money back into the irrigation system if you have to. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if I can do any better for your course, just do it. Like mm-hmm. nobody, nobody ever has been fired over a bad logo, but there has been a couple pros that have taken a chance or two 
that they're probably going to end their career with a couple extra million bucks than, than the next guy who was afraid to, afraid to take a chance. So. I love it. It's, it's definitely, I think uh, a no brainer, but like you said, other, other, other people may think otherwise, but uh, oh yeah, <laughs> and it's, it's been fun talking logos and you know, how you can go about your designs because I know for myself, I, I studied architecture in college, the design background and the, the process of getting from, you know, nothing to, to final product is always exciting just as a designer, let alone to help other clubs, uh, you know, jump in there and, and, you know, reap the benefits of, of, kind of yep. adding some some really cool designs to their club so guys go check them out alternate golf logos uh on instagram plus one creative uh out of the hudson valley new york area so if you're in that area shout them out you might even go get to play with him chances are he'll kick your ass because he's a plus one all right guys so that was ryan gable uh founder of plus one golf creative really cool story there dante um we kind of shot i guess his way because of the incredible logos that he was making and uh tried to do some stuff with him as far as animating our logos uh so we're still working on that with him which is uh some exciting stuff down the road for you guys but uh i think when you look at fresh logos on a golf club it's just like we said in the podcast it's uh it revitalizes a pro shop if you if you can get something in there that that people love oh definitely i mean how many times do you go in to a golf course that you've played for the first time and you're like, well, kind of want to walk out with some merch, whether, you know, it's a couple head covers or a ball marker or a, a logo shirt or hat. And you're like, and the first thing you think of is, is the logo like good looking enough for me to even want to purchase anything. I mean, if it's just there with like a couple letters and that's it, like, no, like I'm, I'm not going to purchase that. Even though if the course is insane, you know what I mean? Even if it's like a top 100 course, I mean, granted, I mean, you probably spent some money a little bit, but <laughs> say that you were there, but, but you get, you get my point here is you, you go, you play a track. You're like, wow, I really like the track. I really like this course. Like, Oh, like, even if it's like a, not the best track in the world. And you're like, mm -hmm. wow, like that logo is sick. <laughs> like I want, I want some merch for that. I'm going to get that. So being yep. able to kind of have that and having someone like, all right, well, here's like, your original logo but here's like an alternate logo that we're going to do for maybe members only or member guests is just insane because now you know like you have that special piece of like merch like yo what that's a sick hat like where'd you get that oh, i was like oh it was i played in the in the member guest like it was only for the member guests like people were right. like damn like that's sick like only 100 people have it well and i think what's really cool too is like your home club running deer just did something from what I understand of like a one-off now, it's not like a new logo, but it's kind of like the nickname of what everyone calls running deer. They call it the deer, the um, deer. for your member guests. They did some cool, the deer merch, uh, as like a backpack for you guys and, and a hat and whatnot. So oh, dude, I mean, I was shocked. It, it, it came it. out great for you guys. It did. And, and, and that's what they're trying to turn it into. I mean, they, they started it two years ago. They brought back the member guests um and COVID hit obviously they didn't have it so they came back again so they were able to have it this year which was amazing hell of an event I, I was extremely shocked on you know how well they put it together and you know it's like oh, like, oh I'm gonna go towards the the running deer member guest or I'm gonna go play in the Glenmara member guest or like the the Glenmara's is the Glen, Glenmara three-day there's always that like name right and like that's what they're trying to push is they're trying to push like 
oh, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, I got invited to play the deer. Like, oh shit, you're playing the deer. Like everybody's going to know like the deer is, is that invitational right. member guest tournament. It's not going to be like, oh, I'm playing in the, in the Glad Riddle member guest. You know what I mean? It's like, there's, they're, they're taking a logo and they're taking a name to it. And that's, mm -hmm. that's what they're doing. It's the deer. Like next year, that's probably how they'll label it. Like you're invited to the deer. And yeah. I, that's just something. Listen, I wish Ryan can maybe like design something with that aspect of a logo. Like, Oh, that's the deer. Like that's the deer's logo for the deer. Like, well, and it's I think just, I'll be honest with you. I, I know you kind of like go back and forth on loving the logo, but it's really simple for you guys. It's two deer, it's one buck and one doe and, and they're running like they're, they're in yeah, full I mean, motion. So it's, it's simple. It's nice. I think it's clean. Um, I like the, you know, I like and, the and clean... it translates easily to the deer. Yeah. I mean, or running deer, especially when you see like the whole thing, it's, I think it says running deer golf club in it. And there's like this shield around it and like, you know, pretty simple really simplistic but it kind of also stands out but you know I, I would like to see some of these more modern designs that ryan can design and see what he can kind of do if he ever gets in touch with you know uh kind of the, the general management of our of mm -hmm. our course it'd be cool to see they give like some more deer-esque uh merch down for like next year's the deer for sure. Well, I mean, and, and that seems to be the coolest thing about it. When you said, Hey man, we got this awesome merch pack. Um, that was kind of the beginning of the week. Um, take us through the weekend, man. You, you guys had a blast. You had Polly K up there, which is an old yeah. teammate of mine from college. Yep. Um, you know, talk us through the weekend, man. How fun was the member guest out at the deer? Oh, dude, it, it, it was an absolute blast. And it was like, you got everything out for it. I mean, one thing, like a little backstory, you know, you play with, we all went to Marywood. Paul played golf. I played lacrosse. Like Paul and I basically, I met him freshman year, been friends ever since. And we basically took the same major. Obviously you played golf with them. So you know him as well. And we've been friends ever since. And ever since I kind of got into golf around like 2014, 2015, he is yet to come to the course. And I finally got him free. He's, he's very busy. Um, you know, basically playing golf, running his own business and working at the same, like working another nine to five at the same time. So yeah, I got this weekend free. Like I'll come down. I said, Whoa. And I was like, dude, this like, and I'm like, you know, a little nervous too. Cause like, you know, you, you want to make sure like hopefully the course puts everything like out perfectly. And, and I, I really think they did. I mean, it was a Saturday, Sunday event, which it probably could have been stretched into three days um, if they really wanted to, but Friday was an optional practice round uh with you know drinks and hors d'oeuvres at you know at like 4 30 to 6 30 which was already included in the price and then saturday we got to play we played a it was a two-man better ball flighted um you know within within your flights I and mean, it was two-man better ball uh with handicap so you play that the first round but let me backtrack you got there in the morning free range balls you got your package you got you know, breakfast, they gave you breakfast and then you went off and they did shotgun start, which was nice. So everybody can kind of finish at the same time and kind of had like the big camaraderie. Then they had, they mm -hmm. provided lunch for you. And then after the round, when we got lunch, they kind of like rallied things back up real quick and then sent back everybody back out. And we played since it was the 13th uh, anniversary, we played 13, we played the first 13 holes in um, huh. a two man scramble. And that actually wasn't just for extra golf that that counted towards your score. So like oh, it no wasn't, yeah. So that. everybody's like drinking and stuff and they're, they're all, it was hot that usually the weekend's a lot cooler that time of year, but 
damn, it was hot. And everything, everybody was drinking, having a good time. So everybody's kind of baked out. But at the same time, you're like, oh, crap. Like, we need the focus if we want to win because this is part of our score. And you can just tell everybody's getting tired. Yeah. And then, then we came back and they had uh, um, they had like a little cocktail hour. They also had a, allowed us to um, utilize the showers and the locker rooms and allow us to freshen up because immediately from there we went and they had this huge dinner. Dude, I'm telling you at lunch, they legit gave everybody a card. I felt like I was in a wedding because they also, they also host weddings and they gave us a card and they asked, would you like the beef, the chicken or the fish for dinner? And you mark that off and they took all the orders in. And while all that was going on and we were having a good time hanging out, we were out, you know, they were out in the back grinding their asses on making sure that um, all this, like all the dinner and stuff's like together. And then from there you had the dinner, which was, I mean, prime rib, chicken, like roulade, and then some type of fish. And it was like all delicious and all you can drink anything. I'm telling you like beer, mixed drinks, uh, you know, they had vendors there kind of like high noon and like all those types of seltzer vendors there just giving out drinks and like whatever you wanted. It, it was, it was for like anybody. Like, so you can really like drink your money's worth if you want. That's to. the best part about any member guest that I've been a part of too. Every time I've been a, a member guest guest, um, they've been, you know, you pay your, your, your upfront fee and it is all you can eat, all you can drink the entire time you're on the premises, which I think is the way it should be, right? Like they're opening up the doors to you. You don't want to pay this fee just for the golf alone and then have to go pay another couple hundred dollars for mm-hmm. all the the all, all the booze and all the food you're going to eat all weekend long. So I, I mean, think that's they, the way to do it. I'm happy to happy to hear that you you guys were having a blast with it as uh, well. We, we had, they basically closed the entire course down for the weekend for just those participating. And then, you know, afterwards there, um, you know, one of the companies I work for, he brought... He makes his own cigars, so he brought his cigars. And we had a nice cigar, a whiskey bar on the outside patio, which was very nice. And then they had like they had like side games and closest to the pin. We were hitting, they were hitting up uh, from the range over. <laughs> you know where the practice green is. So if, if, yep. if you like walk up to the course, the clubhouse is there, and like if you walk through, walk through the middle, and then you go outside. There's like the big patio area where they had the ceremonies, and they have like the pillars for weddings. And right behind it is the putting green, which is massive. And then off to like kind of like your left on like a 45 degree angle is where the range is. Well, they were hitting off the rain, the mat of the range over the pavilion onto the putting green for like closest to the pin. And they were throwing like side money down and stuff like that. So they were having a blast, having a good time, smoking it up, drinking <laughs> this and that. And then, you know, Sunday was just like the last, you know, the second round, which counted and then they took the flight winners and basically had, you know, a little shootout and everybody just got in the carts and followed everybody. I think it took like two or three holes um, for them to win. And, you know, they're hitting some wild shots. So, I mean, it, it was a hell of a time. I mean, I was, I was so pumped that Paul was able to finally come down and see the course and you've played the course. And I, I he goes, what am I? Ex-? And I didn't give him a practice round. Cause he goes, dude, there's a practice. round." I was like, yeah, but like with work and everything, I just, I, I couldn't like swing it. I tried. He goes, oh my God. He goes, next year, like we're getting a practice round because you know the course and how it is when what makes the course the course are the greens. Like, yep. and it's pretty much straight in front of you and, it, and it's the greens. And he was like, how big are these greens? They said, they're huge. Like, was an understatement. He got to, he got on like the first, the first green. He goes, you got to be kidding me. 
and it. it was that first just, green is a rude awakening for the rest of the course. It, it it really was, and so he it was just pumped because I was pumped, and I thought I thought it was hysterical because I know he was my teammate. And he was getting himself in all the crap lies that we go through like week in and week out, right? Like the bad lies. Cause you can get penalized for hitting like a good shot. And he goes, are you getting, he goes, I've never been penalized for hitting a good shot. I said, well, that's the deer for you. Welcome. <laughs> and I just started cracking up. And anytime he got himself into like a jam like that or on the greens, he was just like, obviously getting frustrated because you know, right. he's a hell of a player, but he's not used to that. Like that's one thing about running deer is like, you have to play it often and a lot in order to kind of be able to tackle the course and it was just i was just like dying laughing about every time like i'm sorry paul i know that's not how you wanted your teammate to kind of treat you but damn it was just it was like you know oh man what's that misery loves company and I said, welcome aboard, buddy. Welcome to the deer. I, I probably said that hundreds of times. I mean, it was a blast. He's looking forward to the next year. We're basically already signed up. I mean, that was my welcome when I came and played yes. for the first time. You know, the third or fourth hole, I ran into like back-to-back just trash lies off of great tee shots. And I'm like, what is this? And you just said the same thing. Welcome to the deer. <laughs> welcome to the deer. And the crazy thing with the greens is like you have to, depending on where the pin is, they're very undulated. I mean, you can see every break. Uh, you have to break them up in quadrants and aim for the, the one quadrant of the green. You can't just go middle of the green or three putt is very common at the deer. For any of those that are intrigued, give us a holler. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have you out. We'll get you out. We'll set up a little money match and we'll take your cash. Like we did the past club champs cash last time I was out. Yes, there, we, so. yes, we did. Yep. You, you love to do it. You just, you love really it. do it, There's nothing better than, than coming into enemy territory and going out with a W. Absolutely. Man. It, <laughs> it, it, it was a blast. I, I had a hell of a time, you know, hats off to running deer and, and, and Michael C Sophia, the, the GM for putting on an event. I mean, the staff went above and beyond. They, they, they truly did. I mean, it was extremely well run. I mean, I don't think there was really much complaints about kind of like the logistics of everything. I, I really didn't see much of an issue. Obviously, you know, there are some things that you would like to see a little bit different, but they just did one hell of a job. I mean, it was pretty much near perfect. So like, uh, again, I'm pumped for it for next year. Um, I mean, the merch was sick. I mean, for what you got just out of the little the door prize bag for just walking into the clubhouse. I mean, that alone just, you know, I was like, all right, I'm going to go home. I'm good. See you. I tell you, it seems to be a theme. Um, everyone I've talked to, everyone I've, you know, been a part of, um, the staff has just killed it since kind of coming out of this COVID break. And I think it's just so refreshing for everyone to be back and be like in a camaraderie setting that the staff's excited to be there. The people who are excited to be there to experience it. Uh, and that's what a member guest is all about. Like we talked about the Palm Springs golf championship. And um, I, I think that brings member guest vibes too, but it's like just about getting together, especially with your buddy, have a guest in, show off your place at yes. the best it's going to be and just have a good time. If yeah. you win your flight. Awesome. But that's really not what it's about. It's about everything else surrounding the golf. Yeah. I mean, what's better to go out and be a little bit competitive and then right afterwards, hang out with all your, your member friends and all that and your buddies from your course and just meet all their friends and just having a good time drinking some beers and just, 
I mean, talking golf, I mean, it, it was just perfect weather too. I mean, it was absolutely perfect weather, a little on the warmer side, but I mean, clear blue skies both days. Love it. That's, that's all the doctor can order. <laughs> right. I mean, geez. Uh, I, I mean, it's just, it happened two weeks ago and I'm like sitting here thinking like, damn, like I want to go back. I love it. Well, and then you played a lot of golf because you rolled yeah. right into a father-son tournament the next day, which yeah, I think so is so cool because we've been talking about this for ages. You and your dad have been going out once once a week and getting practice rounds in together. What was the event, and, and how much fun was that to, to play an event with your dad finally? That was awesome, and I, you know, it was a true – it was a gap-run event. So those who, who have listened, obviously the course I come out of, runs out of the area of Philadelphia. So they have an association golf association of Philadelphia. And so that's where I can play all like my tournament rounds and those that are, you know, good enough to play in the USAMs and, and us open qualifiers. That's where they go to. They, they run all the events and it's, I mean, it's courses all throughout the, you know, the Philadelphia area, I guess you can say that's affiliated that they host and run these events. Well, they have this one that's very popular. It's, it's the gap father, son, tournament and they have they have a younger a middle and an older based on the son's age range and obviously you know me being 30 30, turning 31 um we i was i'm in the highest bracket so we signed up for the father olders father son older tournament it was held out in lancaster at conestoga country club hell of a track short but pretty tough i mean it's like really short like the tips are like 6400 yards which is you know your average course is middle tees and it was one hell of a time. And I, I've never heard my dad say so many times with and around. He goes, this is a lot of fun. We're doing this again next year. I mean, That's great, and, man. and the format, and this is why we practiced. Dalton said that we practiced. So the format was each hole was selective drive. And then from there, it was alternate shot until you held up. So now oh, my dad man. isn't the best of competitive players. He's a 24 handicap. So you know, he just goes out, he's retired and has a good time. So I was a little nervous on that spot. Cause obviously, you know, being a higher handicap like that, you're, you're prone to hit a lot of, a lot more bad shots. Mm-hmm. And he held his own. I mean, we went out like for like a month straight, uh, like once a week on a Wednesday and, and kind of played the format. But what was also about awesome about the format, since my dad was above 65, uh, those are like, there was two divisions. There was championship and a super senior division. Well, he was opted into the super senior division. Well, the rules is whatever division you play in, both players play from that set of tees. So guess what? I was in the super senior oh, division. Man. You got the ham and the, egg it all the way up. <laughs> dude, we played the forward set of tees, dude. It played like 5,600 yards, but it's still with the course was still no joke because you had the wind and the undulation and all that, but it was a lot of fun. So kind of like how we, strategize because we thought that there was rules to where you had to mm-hmm. select an each amount of parents or son, father son uh drives but there wasn't so you know me being younger and obviously longer i just bombed driver he he went first and like i was like just get it and play he goes okay so he was able to like he can drive the ball pretty well mm-hmm. um it's usually like he struggles getting up towards the green and and you know that's usually where he struggles um so I was like, all right. So I was like, get us in play. He goes, okay. And he went first every single time. And he just got it in play. And just I to just get you to share a thing. Yep. And I just took aggressive lines, dude. I, I don't think I've 
that was the best I've I've drove the ball in a while. And then he would just take the second shot in, and then we would try and go from there. And he actually played really well that day to the point where like we were getting the ball to the green and had so many birdie looks, we just couldn't figure out the greens. Couldn't the make greens a putt. Were, no, couldn't make a putt. The greens were on the slower side, but they rolled really good. But it was weird because if you hit it firm towards the hole, towards the break, it would roll through the break and like well past the hole. Or if you hit it like at the break and try to like, I guess you could say diet in or get it like to the hole, it would like take a hard turn and go like on the low side. And we just kept seeing that hole after hole after hole. We're like, he goes, he looked at, we were talking about on the right back. He goes, honestly, we could have probably done a lot better if we just could have made the putts. And I was like, you're absolutely right. I said, I don't know. We probably three putted so many greens today that it, it just hurt us. But we, we did have one bad hole. I hit this bomb of a drive. We were like a hundred and I don't know, 20 yards, but it played like 140 because it was severely uphill. Uh-huh. Now also note, if we're playing selective drive, right. And we take my drive, we have to play my ball until it's hold. Well, we're out in front of this Creek on this hole. I think it's like the fourth hole we're playing. And my, guess what my dad decided to do. He decided to chunk the shot and my ball just plopped right into the water. He's just like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I said, first of all, first, that's rule number one that you broke. I said, we don't apologize for bad shots. Yep. I was like, don't worry. I said, two, you owe me a ball. <laughs> so I took, I took a ball out of my bag and, you know, I dropped it and it, it was a tough hole. We ended up making triple bogey on that hole. It, it was tough getting it to the green. Cause how, you know, I mean, I think it was like a hundred feet above it. It, it was a, just a tough green and kind of like, we just tried to, I think right there was like the dagger. And we just couldn't control the bleeding. But, you know, it's funny. That's every person in an alternate shot scenario is like worst nightmare. It's like, oh, this isn't my ball. This whole, mm. please don't lose this thing. Please don't lose yeah. this thing. But the best thing was I looked over and the sun, I looked over the sun, like the playing partners that we had, the sun, he's reaching in his bag and he grabs a ball. And he drops it. I said, yo, did your dad lose your ball too? He goes, yeah, he did. I said, huh, I think they owe us a couple of new golf balls here. And he just started <laughs> laughing. I mean, the group we played with, were, it was a hell of a time. They were, they were great guys. I mean, it, they were from like the area. I mean, we just, we just had a blast. It, it was just a lot of fun. And again, I mean, it was another perfect day for golf. Like, I mean, it was just three great days for golf. And I just like, it was a, it was a hell of a weekend. Definitely great memories. Definitely going to be back. I'm excited to see what next year's course brings, see where it's at. Maybe it might be a little bit closer because we drove because the craziest thing is we drove that Sunday night. So as soon as we got done, the member guest, I went home, packed up everything and then hopped in the car again and took off. You are a traveled man. I mean, speaking of travel, speaking of travel, man, someone did a lot more miles than I did. We, uh, we put some miles on the treads, uh, this past week, um, those who follow us on Instagram at enjoy the walk pod, uh, definitely know where we were. Um, we kind of kept it hush hush until we got down there. Uh, because you know, as events transpired, we weren't sure if we were going to get in. Um, but we, uh, we, we went down with Boston Scott, which was, uh, you know, out of Collegeville, Pennsylvania, for those who don't know, uh, up and coming apparel company. Um, I say up and coming, but they've got some guys on the PGA tour. They've got corn Ferry tour guys wearing their stuff now, uh, very heavily integrated in the junior side of golf. That's where they got their start making junior golf shirts. Um, but they were sponsoring an event 
down at Eastlake Golf Club in Atlanta, Georgia. So uh, we kind of partnered up. I helped them drive their showroom, their mobile showroom trailer down to Atlanta, Georgia, uh, Saturday and Sunday while you were driving your member guests. It was actually not as bad as what I thought it was going to be. Because the trailer's kind of big. Trailer's massive. Um, It's tall. It's long. Um, During the day, though, the truck that I was driving, a big Ford with like extendable mirrors, I could see the end of it. Like I was good. Everything was good driving that thing. Now, for those that don't know, my day job is I'm in transportation. So I deal with a lot of, um, eight, you know, trucks and, you know, 53 foot or 18 wheelers. Right. So like, I, I've always noticed, and I like talk to these guys and I'm like, yeah, how is it driving? They're like, it's really easy. They're like, as long as you have your mirrors and you pay attention to your mirrors and know kind of where your vehicle is at, you're fine. It really it seems like it's really it, true. It seemed like um, that was the case. It really was. Um, uh, Basically, just making sure when you merge, um, remember you have the trailer yes. to also merge with you. Do you uh, run in the scares there? Or one time. We just get it? One time. Uh, well, Steve, uh, you know, no, we didn't run into the no, scares. Right? At no, right? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we definitely did not run into those scares. Um, but it was fun, man. It was a great trip. We went down with uh, Steve's buddy, Don, who's been like a li- long lifetime uh, you know, friend. Um, so he, he went down with us. Um, it was a blast. We stopped in Charlotte as kind of like our layover during the day, um, hung out, got dinner in Charlotte, and then kind of slept in and then went down to Georgia midday on Sunday. Um, kicked it around Georgia for a little bit, make sure the trailer was all fueled up, and then barely got any sleep because i was like prepping i was like all right is all the podcast stuff gonna work we've got a new like mixer that we've got into a pa system we thought we might do some like live podcast out there so we weren't sure what the day was going to look like because we knew the weather was going to be iffy um and when we got up on monday morning the weather was just horrendous um for anyone who doesn't know the reason they were down there, like I said, Boston Scott was sponsoring an event uh, with the Jimmy V foundation, the Kelly Obarski seventh annual Memorial golf tournament um, goes all the proceeds, like the silent auction, the, the foursomes uh, entry fees, they all went to cancer research. So really incredible event to be a part of. Um, we had to move the entire mobile showroom indoors because it was raining that hard in the morning could not set up that mobile showroom. It was just, the wind was blowing. It was anytime we opened the door, it was blowing in. So luckily East Lake was just an incredible host, helped us get all the merch inside to like help them set up. Um, And then the golfers went out in the pouring down rain. Um, I've got some hilarious photos, which again, if you guys are watching on our YouTube, we will pop them up here in a second, but, one hole in Steve Hoffman founder of Boston Scott and Chris Agler and a couple other guys were walking up down the 18th and then up to one. And they walked by the pro shop that we were still sitting in. They were drenched. I mean, no good rain gear was good enough for, for as hard as it was raining out there. I felt so bad for him. Um, no carts out at East Lake. It's a full staffed caddy uh, golf course. The only carts they have are the quote unquote, staff carts which stay on the pavement there are no carts on the grounds other than like the grounds crew um so that was the other cool part of it they have a fully staffed caddy program over 80 caddies on staff at all times um so that's one of the coolest things 
for a private club that's just got 18 holes, um, that's a lot of caddies. <laughs> like when you think of a caddy barn that big, you think of like Pinehurst or somewhere that's got multiple golf courses. It was really cool to hear that that was how many caddies they had for for just one golf course. That's that's insane. I mean, you even sent me kind of like overhead footage of. Uh, I mean, I, I you saw like I saw like the rain picks and all that. And then I kind of like saw like kind of almost like a drone shot of the course itself and just how immaculate that course looked with that weather you had just blew my mind. I mean, I was like, this, this doesn't even look real. So when we were pulling in at like 8 a.m., the grounds crew was already out there. You could tell they, you know, were still doing their thing, doing what they needed to do in the pouring down rain. And now, like I said, no golf carts out there. A lot of these guys were like walk mowing fairways walk mowing, walk mowing approaches. They were, you know, it was just, it was incredible. The effort that was going out there in the pouring down rain because they knew they had an event. Um, so a lot of fun out there, man. The weather finally cleared uh, about noon, one o'clock, the weather, the, the rain stopped. The sun even came out a little bit. So we were able to open up the mobile showroom. Um, I got to sit down with the director of golf down there for about 20 minutes. So that podcast will be coming out most likely not in podcast form. It'll actually be coming out just on our YouTube um, and IG and Twitter. We'll, we'll, we'll mostly keep that video content to uh, kind of be like an exclusive release release for you guys since it's only about 20 minutes, but uh, we did that from inside the Boston Scott trailer. A um, lot of great people there. A uh, lot of, a lot of great connections to be able to be made. Um, unfortunately, it was just such a like hoopla day that a lot of the people that like, I wanted to sit down with the caddy program director, he was kind of just way in over his head, managing 125 golfers and all their caddies. Um, so he was just in over his head, busy, unfortunately couldn't get to sit down with him. Um, Tim Burke, long drive, like specialist was there, uh, we got to talk to him for a good bit. And I think, you know, he wants to come on the show, which is really cool. Um, so just a, a lot of cool, um, experiences around East Lake, the, the place, like the, the shop, the clubhouse, the, the dining room, everything at East Lake, you could tell has just been around forever. Like the memorabilia in that place, there's an old Ryder cup in there in the captain's room. Uh, there's all kinds of Arnold Palmer memorabilia down there. Uh, obviously, you know, Bobby Jones stuff down there because it's the house that Bobby Jones built. Um, it's just incredible, like incredible to witness a lot of this old, old memorabilia that just, you know, has been sitting there since like the beginning of time at Eastlake. That's, that's insane. And it's crazy. Like these courses that have that type of history, just, you know, you're looking at the, it's just, it just blows my mind. Um, that some of these courses in the history that they have, and like you were saying, like you're showing little snaps to me of just kind of like all like the old equipment that's in you know showcases and the history with bobby jones and arnold palmer i mean holy smokes i mean it just <laughs> i'm shocked that like you were able to like kind of like were you able to like freelance around there or were they kind of like because you were telling me they had some high security around there so once we got inside of the gates um and they realized like oh hey you're meant to be here um yeah they they were very welcoming very hospitable um you know got to go up and walk in the locker rooms and kind of walk around there um and just yeah i mean i, I wouldn't say quote unquote free reign of the place because like obviously there's places you just can't go um yeah. where staff only and stuff like that but 
yeah, we were able to walk around the captain's room. Uh, we were able to walk around just kind of like their back uh, foyer area, which had a lot of hanging memorabilia out front. There was a plaque of, of, of Robert Trent Jones, Bobby Jones Jr. Um, hanging out front, you know, just kind of saying this is the place that he built. Um, like I said, old Ryder Cup was in there. Um, just, just all kinds of just in crazy cool stuff. That, like some things you expected to be there, some things you didn't expect to be there. Uh, sitting right outside of the entrance was like Bobby Jones's old typewriter um, and like his ink quill pen that he used to write all of his hand letter notes from. So just like really cool stuff like that. They say they always leave the lamp on at his desk just to kind of always like pay homage to like Bobby Jones is always here, which I thought was like a really cool, just simple yet subtle, but incredibly cool nod to, to the great uh bobby jones so that's that's awesome man yeah and we got to set the trailer right out in front of east lake so like what better place to just kind of hang out than in the front parking lot of, of east lake yeah right so i guess you were saying like the second half of the day you were actually able to utilize what the trailer is meant to be with the kick out because there's like aren't there like kind of like couches with it that come with it kind of it's like yeah so they're like indoor outdoor chairs uh that set up in any configuration you really want it to um, and for anyone who hasn't seen the Boston Scott golf trailer, um, I would say stay tuned on their Instagram, stay tuned on their website. Cause they'll make announcements as to where they're taking it. Um, it is new this year. They just got done building it out and kind of premiering it at their ribbon cutting, um, in the spring, I believe is when their ribbon cutting was. So, um, this, this trailer is fully equipped, man. Obviously it's got all their merchandise in it from their shirts, their hats, their belts, their pants. Uh, but then when it does full, fold out fully, it's got this like kind of back patio feel that they just, you can kind of kick it back. You can step up onto it, sit down, have a drink, just hang out. It's like a great hangout spot. Um, I don't know what other way to describe it other than just kind of back patio. Um, but it's got a TV in it that we had the golf channel running all day too. So it just, great vibes out of the Boston Scott trailer and, you know, gracious enough that they lent us a, a little corner of, of the trailer to, to do some live podcasting from. And um, I, I hope, you know, greater things can come of that down the road because they love us. We love them. So we're excited to, to see what we can do together. Yeah. That's awesome, man. You know, that that's, that's pretty cool that you're able to do that. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm very looking forward to the future of what they, they have in store. So, you know, that thing yeah, looks it was, sick. It was one of those things where everyone who walked up to it or walked around, it was like, Whoa, like, what is like, what is this? I, I got to yeah. say like makes you stop and look. Right. Um, so it was one of those experiences that was just uh, it was one for the books. It was one that like, if you'd have told me months ago that, Hey, you're going to go help run an event down at Eastlake and, and you're going to, you know, be able to just kind of hang out with, with people that play Eastlake on a daily basis and, um, and not just be there to watch the tour championship, but like actually just be inside the gates and inside uh, the clubhouse at Eastlake. I would have called you nuts. So um, yeah. really cool experience, excited to kind of, you know, roll out a lot of the content from around Eastlake as we move through the week here. Um, but yeah, man, it was just so much fun, really cool experience. Um, I will say Atlanta, Georgia, really, really cool spot. I want to get down and play some golf around Atlanta. Yes. I'll be there. Set it in stone. I love it, man. Well, guys, as we said, as always, you can go to www.enjoythewalkpod.com to check out the latest from us, whether it's podcasts, whether it's blogs, or just the latest merch drops. So stay tuned for that. 
Um, we've got a special episode dropping this Friday. So if you've made it this far, uh, we'll make some more announcements on Twitter and Instagram as we get towards the release, but it will be a podcast and it will be in YouTube form as well. Um, we have a second half, I guess you could call it to Ryan Gable's podcast that we recorded for the alternate golf podcast. Um, with this show um, that includes a detailed round with number 45 with the president of the United States, Donald Trump. Um, Ryan is a current club champion out at Trump, Trump Hudson Valley. Um, and he got to tee it up with the, with the president. So he details some funny encounters with secret service. He details his uh, back and forth match with the president uh, where he made him put it out. Unlike the guys at the Ryder cup. I, I wonder if there was any, uh, that was inside the leather jokes. We'll have to, oh uh, you have to tune in and find out, but uh, really, really cool sit down to kind of just recap his experience playing with the president of the United States. Um, and just uh, how you might be surprised how he might just be one of the guys. So excited to roll out that episode on Friday, guys. Hope you guys turn tune in, but uh, is that it from us, Dante? Is that, is that all the recap we can fit into one episode? I, I think <laughs> it is so much information, just so much experiences. I mean, Eastlake, member guest, Ryder Cup. I mean, what what more can you get? I don't know. Uh, I went through two cups of water. I'm parched. It's a lot of talking. Uh, yes. I think I think that's it from us this week. I think so. I need a snack. I'm starving. I love it. As always, guys, get out there, carry your clubs, and enjoy the walk. <laughs>